This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is still rambling along as we enter our 10th season with you all. Now, the phony war is nearly over and we can all start talking about proper football again. Football that matters. Football where actual points and trophies are up for grabs. Hallelujah and amen to that. Now, if, like me... You find the infernal nonsense contrived by 24-7 news cycles, overseas tours, marketed as epoch-defining games, and more transfer rumours than a Fleetwood Mac album, all completely spurious, then you'll be relieved. There is a good reason why the Chelsea fancast takes a summer break, and one of the main reasons is precisely that. But tonight... It is our solemn duty to reflect upon the machinations of the pre-season games, the transfer situation and the meaningless friendly that only Jose Mourinho and Arsenal fans count as a trophy. I am Stamford Chidge and the name of tonight's show is Knowing Me, Knowing You, a Arsenal. <laughs> titter ye not, titter ye not. Very Alex good. liked it. Alex liked it. I, liked I thought it, it was well, quite good. Clever. You liked Very, it too. It's clever. Thank you. Anyway, uh, listen, guys. I mean, obviously, it's it's the first show of the season. I'm absolutely delighted to uh, catch up with my my old buddies, who I, I have actually seen a little bit of. I haven't seen Alex over the summer, but um, I've seen I've seen the lovely Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you, Trish. How, how nice to be on the show again. Isn't it lovely to be back? I mean, that's another reason why I don't do any in the summer, because we need a break, and then by the time we come back, we're really excited to do them again. Yes. Isn't that it? I mean, you yes. know, I'm, I've been really excited all day, yeah. Um, we've also got on the show tonight, other than the uh, the wonderful, uh, effusive Mr. Kidd, we have the legend, the Gate 17 and Chelsea legend, who, in fact, today was quoted by the equally legendary Henry Winter, Mr. Mark Worrell, 
He was quoted. You were quoted by Henry Winter in the really? papers today, mate. You were. You missed it. You'd, you'd been too busy working, but we all saw it on Twitter. Oh. Well, I'll have to have a look at that. Check um, your Twitter, I, mate. He's, I, I've got him gobsmacked. Marco is almost speechless already. We've only it's just not started the show. like Ma- Henry Winter quoting Mark threatening to punch him in the face or something, is it? No, um, <laughs> he quoted Marco out of, out of um, CFC UK. Oh. Out, of the, out of the recent CFC UK, because Henry actually, bless his heart, is a is an he avid reader read of yeah. yeah, he does indeed. But anyway, enough of all that. Mark, hello, mate. Lovely to lovely to yeah. speak to you again. I've seen you for ages. Nice the last to speak time to you. we robbed shoulders was at Tim Rolls's sixtieth, was it not? It was, wasn't it? It was at Sausage's sixtieth party. We had a, we had a good old dog uh, or three and a good old chinwag at that. I remember that. That was good. <laughs> no, good to see anyway, you. Good lovely. To be back. We're Lovely to, to be roll. back, isn't it? Whoa. Ready to rock and roll. Uh, and now, last by no means least, of course, we've got the beautiful, lovely genius that is uh, Alex Churchill, also known as the girl who likes balls. Alex, how are you? I love them, in fact. No, um, can't do. wait for football. I'm so, so bored of going to supermarkets on Saturdays and being given household chores to do that I could literally punch myself in the face. So bring on Saturday. Can't wait. Yeehaw. No, me neither. Because everything that's happened in the last two months is a load of arse gravy, as Tony Glover would say. But nevertheless, we do have to talk about it. And uh, in a minute or so, we will. He was, wasn't he? Who? He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, yes. A little nappy shit is about... (laughs) Now, listen, before we before we even go into the introduction, I want to, to mention one thing to you lovely people, and, 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 and which is, um, I, I, I say this with a, a massive hint of irony, as the rain absolutely shits down in dear old not-sunny Winchester. I'm thinking I might have to go and close my window in a minute. But I was going to say, what are your summer highlights? And, and just to give you a flavour of what I'm talking about, um, my summer highlight... It sounds like when you go back to school, doesn't it, on the first day of school. My summer highlight was uh, drinking several jugs of Pims with uh, the lovely Jonathan Kidd and Dan Silver at Lords. <laughs> Sweet, thank you. Yes, it thank was. You. I really enjoyed catching up with you there, mate. It, it, it was, was a, very a lovely fun. time. It was very, it very was, good wasn't fun. it? And we, 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 so we, Jonathan, watch, we, we watched the cricket on the screen, didn't we, which was very nice. We but, did, uh, we did. And it was really hot, wasn't it? Uh, it unlike, was. Unlike... I felt the cricket was Unlike secondary. Being... I felt the cricket it... was secondary to our chat. It was indeed. Um, Jonathan, what was your summer highlight? And you don't have to respond. No, in no, time. It's, it's actually cricket based. Actually, it's cricket. I'm, I um, I uh, kept wicket on several occasions and um, and got a bit better. Got uh, a couple of leg side stumpings and then tore my uh, my my cartilage. So oh, um, mate. that's the end of that. I think for the rest of the season. But it was. Uh, it was good, you know, climbing that mountain and then tumbling down it all the way to the bottom. So uh, that was my highlight. Lovely. And uh, Alex, what what has been your summer highlight? Um, well, actually, I was lucky enough. I had VIP tickets for Take That at the O2 and for Guns and Roses at the <laughs> Olympic Stadium. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you rock and roller, love it. I know. Love I went. It. I went and, uh, with um, Charlie to Guns and Roses, and uh, he's going to kill me if he listens to this. This weird little bloke who was absolutely smashed off his face kept trying to hold his hand and come on to him, and uh, <laughs> in the end he ran away. And so we were with his scouse mate right up the front, listening to Paradise City, like ten foot from Axel. I don't know where Charlie was, cowering somewhere, probably trying to escape this weird kid that took a shine to him and wouldn't leave him alone. 
Oh, well, there we go. Uh, yeah, now, last but by no means, last but by no means least, Marco, uh, what was your summer highlight? Uh, probably a very, very pleasant holiday in Croatia, mm. which uh, I would thoroughly recommend to anyone. Did you do Dubrovnik I did. the coastline? No, I've done that before. We, we've stayed up at a place called Rabak, which is about 100 kilometres south of the Italian border. Um, mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah, I did see. I did see a few nice photographs of that, Marco. So, yeah. so well done. I, I saw lots of very arty shots of pints of lager with a lovely, Indeed. beautiful backdrop in the on the, a nice sundowner. So good on you, mate. Well, look, it's it's lovely to have you all back. I just thought we'd start with something a little bit different, as it's the first show. Uh, but, but, but on the show tonight, we'll be asking whether the community shield really matters and what on earth was going on with the ABBA dance-off penalties. Blimey! In part two. Uh, we have an interview with Simon Johnson, who is the football correspondent uh, at the London Evening Standard. And incidentally, I, I, I met him at the end of the season. He's a lovely bloke and a few beers with him towards the end of the season. Really, uh, really super chap. Um, and we discuss the trouble with overseas tours, uh, the trouble at the bridge. And will there be trouble ahead in the new season? Uh, if you're looking for trouble, you've come to the right place. Bunum tush. Uh, now, in part three, uh, we have news on the crowdfunding for Alan Hudson's biography, uh, The Working Man's Ballet. We are going to uh, have a quick plug for Mark and Alex's books that were released over the summer. And uh, we're also going to talk about the Chelsea Supporters Trust AGM, which is next Sunday, the 13th of August. Uh, now, in part four, as you've probably noticed already, there are no emails this week because, of course, I didn't I didn't ask for any. If we have time and you've asked some asked us some useful questions on Mixler, I will I will try and include them. But uh, in part four, we're going to be looking ahead to the opening match of the season against Burnley next Saturday, and more specifically, what we are most looking forward to in the new season. Now, don't forget, uh, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many do. There's loads of you in there. Um, I, I can't mention you because there's so many, so I'll just briefly Bonnie Rig Blues, Aurelius or, 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 or whatever it is, Jay Lu Wang, Mark Barfoot, Paul Burgess, Mr. Kurt Plastic, uh, I saw Alan May score. Joey Blue, Kevin, Katie, twenty nine, MLHP. That uh, uh, there's somebody called Alexandra Church. Oh, she's on the show too. There's loads of you in there, and it's great to see you all back. And Rob Coon, who is a very lovely person, has just said happy belated birthday, Chidge, because yes, indeed, it was my birthday on Saturday, and uh, this is a good chance for me to say thank you so much to all the love that I got on on Twitter and Facebook from all of you. Uh, it was really lovely and touching. And I have to say, because he's on the show tonight, and I love embarrassing Marco, but I think Marco's was probably the best post. It was hilarious. So well done, Marco. Right. <laughs> um, yes. Now, uh, of course, you can always t- uh, tweet us at Chelsea Fancast uh, during the show, and I'll try and catch up with those during the programme. Uh, and, of course, always keep in touch. Tell us what you what you want to moan about, be happy about, as long as it's Chelsea-related. In fact, it doesn't even have to be Chelsea-related, because we, we, we like to riff a bit. You know, we can do that. Anyway, just let us know. Now, after this very little break, we're going to be talking about uh, what happened uh, yesterday at Wembley.
Okay, right. Well, I'm going to kick this off. Um, I mean, it's really interesting. Actually, I was talking to Alex before we, before we kind of you know pressed go, uh, and, I, and I didn't go. I didn't go to to the Community Shield, and I'll, I'll confess, I've I've never been to one. I, I I don't know what. Well, I do know why. I just don't see why I should fork out a load of money and have the aggravation of going to Wembley for what is basically a meaningless, bloody friendly. And I, I, I do accept that it, that does make me somewhat of a grumpy old git and, and, and fair play. But I did kind of race home yesterday, interestingly, from London to come and watch it on the old TV from my armchair. And I have to say, I found it quite hard to concentrate on the game. Um, I, I felt quite... Uh, Mm, you know, I mean, I you know, I just couldn't really get into it. It just, I can't take it seriously. But the first thing that I noticed, you will be not be surprised to see to hear, is that of course things never change, do they? The first thing that I'm going to moan about is the bloody terrible refereeing, Mister Truly Badly Madly. We've been there before, no doubt we'll go there again. But I've got to say, he had a shocker, Marco. Um, yeah, he. Uh... Certainly got a couple of key decisions wrong, didn't he? Um, was it a penalty? I was going to was say, it? don't think so. <laughs> so two, 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 two pivotal decisions that probably cost Chelsea the game, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would say that too. I would say that. I mean, Alex, you you were there. Yeah. Could you actually see them from where you were? Oh, I was. I tried not to, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I was going to say his first key mistake was getting out of bed. I mean, so I've said on the blog, right, for being the worst or one of the three, I would say, worst referees in the country last season, your punishment is to get the community shield. I mean, and fair play, obviously, it looks like he's been on a diet. It took me quite a long time to figure out it was actually him and he's finally kind of accepted that his hair's run away in embarrassment and shaved it off but when we realized it was him we were like what is he doing there how was he earned being on the curtain raiser at Wembley and you just mm. it was the usual volatile unpredictable inconsistent clusterfuck that it always is when it's Bobby Madley I don't and think he's a Yorkshireman as well just Ugh. we should add this ha. as well he's from where he's from Wakefield how much Grace where's me whip it as well a what? A gravy guzzler, then. Oh, a gravy guzzler. Gravy. Now, listen, I, I know that you, me and Marco can moan and, and, and get a bit kind of pissy about referees, but, of course, there is only one man amongst us qualified <laughs> to to uh, vent his uh, his very considered view on the refs. I mean, Jonathan, we know you, you've got a refs qualification. I mean, my, my own take on it for what it's worth is that it wasn't a penalty uh, for William, but it shouldn't have been a yellow because he. I don't think he dived. I think he just fell over his feet, and that's not a criminal offence. Um, and I and and I thought that the, the sending off was harsh. I mean, it was a nasty tackle, but I don't think it was intentional. So I think a yellow would have sufficed. That's my considered view. Um, but it's that personality thing, isn't it? It's it's um, him trying to stamp his authority. Um, and uh, I think he's under pressure because I think we do appreciate that he isn't one of the best, as you've just said, Alex. He's not <laughs> one of the best referees. So he's trying to, he goes in thinking, well, rather than making considered judgments, um, it's like the first one where um, uh, obviously Bellerin clipped him. And in fact, I was watching on the box, I didn't go. Because like you, Chidge, I share the same thing. I can't, I can't bear the crowing that goes on uh, if you lose, when it's absolutely meaningless. So uh, 
uh, I just can't be bothered to go anymore. And as, as, as you say, you spend far too much money and then it takes an eternity to get home on the train and everything. And I just can't, I can't be bothered. I mean, you know, when we never normally play, you never have the full complement of players and you never normally play as well as you're going to do for the rest of the season. I mean, Ferguson used to say it had no bearing on anything, but they, they tended to, to either, you know, they, they lost or they won. It was, there was no consistency even in United at their, at their, at their pomp. But the first, the, 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 the penalty was um, the, the would-be penalty, was he, he definitely clipped him. And they spent ages, and they got Clattenburg on the telly to say, uh, um, you know, now it's a good, good decision. Um, uh, now yeah, what an, what a, an arsehole, arsehole he is. I know, when, when and obvious, why is he on the telly? I know, I know, it was obvious. that and she's got a rather weird, high-pitched voice. I never realised. He's up there, isn't he? He's... Uh, it's, so I'm making him a brummy. He sounded like a camp. Place. He sounded like a camp Geordie, didn't he? <laughs> he was. What well, he is is what he is. A camp Geordie. Um, but he he was. Uh, he said no. He did well. He gave him a. Um, you know, it was right because he simulated. But he didn't because he was obviously clipped. You know, the very first moment it happened, I thought, oh, he's clipped him. But he's now clipped him and caused him to to uh, kick his legs. And if because he's clipped him, it should really be a penalty. You know, I mean, they all try to go, well, you know, it was just a collision. Well, no, he's, he's collided with him in the penalty area and he's going to get the ball in and possibly score. Therefore, it's a penalty. But, uh, mm. um, you know, that, that this knee-jerk reaction that they have now, that if they can't see it and it looks as if somebody's fallen down, it must be, um, it must be uh, feigning, you um, know, uh, is, is a very grey area. And that's, this is why they must be able to refer to to video refereeing because everybody at home saw it saw what happened actually they tried to make out on the box that they hadn't seen that it was all a bit of a grey you know what's happening here um did he clip him did he not of course he clipped him it was bloody obvious from the very beginning so uh i I got bemused by that but yeah you can see he wants to make a point because and it's also you know it's almost echoes of the cup final as for the the sending off it, it really, it was a bit shit, actually, I'm afraid. The Pedro tackle. Well, the tackle, the tackle. Yes, it really was. Yeah. Look at it. He's off the ground and he's hitting him on the on the Achilles. He wasn't held so by, do you, you think? Do, do you think, do you think, do you think he meant it, mate? Because my, my, my take no, on it was no, that no. it was nasty, no, but not intentional. I, no, I agree. Intent is, intent is what it's all about. But, but did you notice that he did the same? He did another nasty one on Xhaka in the first half and completely got away with it, presumably because yeah. the referee just went to Xhaka. Well, you do it to everyone, so what's your problem? But he completely <laughs> got away with one and he didn't even get a yellow. So maybe that was in the referee's mind as but well. You, you got maybe to he wouldn't get recognised with a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> Must he, yeah. did, he did look a bit like Zorro, but from yeah, like a, a he, kind of a cartoon version with a small furry animal playing the role. But is it not the second time he's had a mask? What are, are the other players got against Pedro's face? He's, maybe it's because he's pretty. Maybe they're like, no, I'm not having that bash. <laughs> it is the biggest mask, isn't it? I've yet to see. It's the thickest mask. Of, all, great, the other, of all the other masks, we've had the Torres mask. We've had the, uh, the, uh, the, De- the Demba Bar mask. We've had who else has worn masks? I don't know, but he's oh, got Oh, God, there's so many, it's not true. Anyway, listen, I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, I'm gonna move, move this along a bit, and, and, I, and yeah. I am getting feedback from one of you. I don't know who it is, but can you just be mindful of that or plug your headphones in or do whatever you have to do? Um, I, I think just, I mean, actually talking about Pedro is interesting because, of course, I think, you know, a minute later, <laughs> Arsenal scored with a 
you know, I thought actually it was more down to a loss of concentration, possibly because of Pedro being sent off, which if the case, if that was the case, is unprofessional. But I think mainly because of poor marking. And I think poor old Moses might have uh, been responsible for that, even though, of course, I think actually he had a good game, as Marco wrote in, in his uh, in his ESPN piece. And uh, I thought it was an excellent, excellent goal that he scored. Um you know, even even if it was a bit of a, you know, I mean, everybody looked off the pace in the game. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Marco what he thought of Moses first, and then I'm gonna let uh, Alex kind of gird her loins for a very full run because I know she wants to have a rant about uh, Moses on on a particular issue. But Marco, far away. Well, to be honest with you, I think Moses, um, after what happened in the FA Cup final, um, and all the talk about what was going to happen in the transfer window. Moses, out of that regular starting eleven that won the league last season, he he's always been the player that um, has come under the most scrutiny. The, the the guy most likely to to perhaps make way for somebody else. And I think after what happened in the the cup final against Arsenal, he he kind of had maybe something to prove. I I think he's looked excellent in pre season. I thought he was outstanding yesterday. He committed, he was defending, he got into the right place at the right time to lash that ball past Czech. Um, yeah, OK, he maybe needs to go back to the training ground or never be allowed to take a throw in for Chelsea again. Um, but, you know, um, just looking at what was going on in that game yesterday, I wouldn't have had Moses um, earmarked for removal um, given uh, you know all, all the stories that are going going on surrounding potential transfers, I thought he did okay or better than okay. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. Spot on. Um, now, Alex, I mean, he, 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 Marco's teed you up there. Are, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you on your I'm long ready. run? I'm, I'm should, ready. We, should we count you in or just go for it? <laughs> no, let me just let me let me off the leash. Okay, so let me take you back to Southwest London, circa 1991, 92, in a windswept playground in Sutton <laughs> where all the girls all the boys went off to the field to play football and all the girls were trotted out to a playground and so see all these lines do you know what they mean and we said no and they went this is going to be your first netball lesson now it's not exactly the same thing but there are quite a lot of rules in netball governing what you can or can't do when you're throwing a ball I just want to say that at the age of six I managed to digest not to run with the ball in netball and to pass it according to the rules. At the age of 25, what is it about Moses that means he is absolutely <laughs> incapable of taking an effing throw-in without cocking it up? <laughs> Even when they're not illegal, they're shit. Give them to Dave. Mm. Just give the ball to Dave. Do us all a favour. Save my blood pressure. I, do, I agree with Mark. I think, Mark, I agree with you on your rundown for the second half. I thought he was awful in the first half, and I thought that was the same in the last two pre-seasons as well. There was a big disparity between how good Moses was in the first half and the fact that he looked much more like himself and much sharper and was much better in the second half. But what is he doing? How hard is it for a fully grown man to understand the concept of a throw-in? I'll leave it to you. Mm. Carry on, Chidge. Well, I, I don't I don't have an answer for that, my love, but I did enjoy listening to you, and particularly with your netball analogy. Uh, Jonathan, I know you're, you're a great purveyor of netball, so do you have an answer? <laughs> um, it, it, it worries me how nobody has pointed this out to him, considering it is a regular occurrence. But to be fair, once again, being devil's advocate, large numbers of players in the Premier League lift their back feet and absolutely... Nothing is done about it. 
This is and true. We did have a right rant last season about how did. he seemed to be the only one that ever gets picked up. And I yeah. think now he's got a reputation for it. They're watching Moses' feet when he takes a throw in. But still, dude, sort it out. Come yeah. on now. I, th- I think maybe, maybe, maybe it's created by a physical imbalance that his upper body and head are so big that he kind of tilts over. You know, yes, maybe yes, that's what exactly. it is. Yeah, maybe I agree. That's what it is. Yeah, he's incapable. He has to lift his foot. Yeah, you're right. Well, in which case, anyway, don't, now, now don't I... take the bloody throwings. <laughs> no, indeed. Well, look, well, he won't be on Saturday, of course, because he'll be suspended from the uh, the FA Cup final, won't he? Of course. So it'll probably, as Kevin KT29 suggests, it'll be uh, Aspie at right wing back and Rudiger making his debut. So there we go. Um, listen, while, while I've got your attention, I th- I th- I've been dying to talk about this because uh, the ABBA penalty shootouts were seen for the first time ever. And I mean, what a load of arse gravy that was. Um, but first of all, um, I-, I have to say I thought Cahill... Uh, I thought Cahill's penalty was superb, but why on earth? I mean, it's easy to jump off 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 on this one, isn't it? Really about Courtois taking the second one and and trying to score a conversion rather than a penalty. Um, but it is true to say that he has taken a few penalties and he, he doesn't off. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah, he does. He knows how to crack him in. And I I thought actually Petr Cech made a really sensible uh, statement afterwards saying that actually perhaps what was playing on Courtois' mind was the fact that they they used to take penalties against each other when they were both at the club. So maybe he didn't knock it in the side he normally does, and which is which is. I mean, you could see he tried to put it on the other side from from what I've seen him take a penalty before, and hence missed it. But I, I think it does beg a question though: a why Courtois was taking the second uh, penalty, and b why was Morata taking one as well? Well, I mean, I, I can understand Morata taking one because I mean he is a striker after all. But you know, he was on a hiding to nothing, wasn't he, Marco? Really. To be honest with you, I was actually surprised when uh, Kale stepped up to take the first one. Well, as was uh, I, yeah. I mean, you know, not. I mean, I thought Kale was the best player on on the pitch by a mile yesterday mm. in, in a Chelsea yeah, show. Yeah, agree with you. Uh, you know, he was only ever going to score that penalty after the game he'd had, but it did surprise me. He, he took the first one, and you know, when you've got. The likes of Louise and um, you know, I, I don't know. It was just, I just, I just kind of got the sense that after the Pedro sending off, Conte completely lost interest and probably said to them, "Do you know what? Sort it out yourselves." Um, I agree with him losing interest. I just don't think. I've read some stuff by some Juve fans who sort of gave a lowdown for the benefit of Chelsea fans about Conte in pre-season about how he doesn't give a monkey's about the result all he cares about is getting the players in optimum condition and getting his tactics right for when the season starts and I honestly just think yesterday was an extension of pre-season it was one more chance to get everybody going and try things and yeah I think he lost interest as well to, to agree with you completely in the Inter Milan game he brought on seven players with about five minutes to go didn't he when we were losing mm. 2-1 and he brought on large numbers of youth who I have to say to confuse me completely all played really well mm. and uh, and most of them won't be at the club this year but we'll get on to that uh, later we will I mean that was an excellent segue Alex if you don't mind me saying so because you know the next thing was you know does it matter what was Conte thinking and in a sense you, you've kind of answered that and, and, and frankly as I, I, I've 
you know, the you know, I haven't had a complete break uh, from the football this summer, which I have to say is a bit annoying for me, because uh, I've been doing my weekly blogs for Football London, and and one of them basically had a had an absolute, you know, go talk about coming off a long run. I, I last week. I went into the whole pre-season and overseas uh, tours last week and what a load of absolute rubbish it all is. And and really, the only thing that they are supposed to be for is to get the fitness back into the players' legs and maybe play around with a few formations, you know. Um, it's not about results. Uh, it's not really about performances. It's about getting fitness back. And, and actually, that's what it's about. So to hear what you had to say about Conti's philosophy, philosophy I'm, 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 uh, that, that for me... Is is uh, is as it should be. I mean, the only other thing of, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you'll hear. I don't know if you'll hear this in the interview with Simon that we're having in a minute, but maybe I was talking to him about this before we actually um, kind of you know recorded it. But he was laughing his head off, uh, talking about how wildly the Arsenal fans celebrated winning it, and I very nearly tweeted out. In fact, I just couldn't be bothered yesterday. That's how that's how apathetic I was about it all. But I was going to tweet out Arsenal there celebrating winning the Community Shield like they won the Community Shield. You know, but I mean, it was ridiculous. They celebrated it like they won the Champions League. Well, it is the highlight of their season. It is. That will be the peak of their season on August the 6th. It's all downhill from here, so they're getting in while they can. Well, I couldn't agree more with that, or I certainly hope not. But I mean, you know, the bottom line is, Marco, it's it's not a proper trophy. I mean, only Mourinho counts it as one. It's it's, it's a bloody friendly. It's a dinner plate. Yeah, I, 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 I get all that. But to be honest with you... Um, what annoyed me, I mean, I spent probably knocking on a hundred quid yesterday between drinks, tickets and, and all, uh, you know, and, and just going there and yeah, it's a laugh, but I just, I just felt a bit cheated at the end. And I, and I know that sounds ridiculous and I know it's a friendly and all of that, but you know, I don't know what the attendance was there or how many tickets were Chelsea supporters uh, shelled out good money for, but you know we just kind of threw that game away. It was ridiculous, um, and you know that that, that kind of grated on me a little bit more, more than more than it would ordinarily um, for some bizarre reason. Uh, yeah, well, you, you you say you say that, Marco, but I tell you what, what grated with me a lot more is when when Chelsea threw it away in the FA Cup final. Well, um, to be fair, I don't think we actually turned up for the FA Cup final. Well, quite, uh. quite, you know. But that that was to, to me hurt a lot, blooming well more. But I take your point about about spending loads of money on it, and I, and I think therein lies the honey trap. I, I have never been to any of the innumerable um, Community Shield. Uh, you know matches that Chelsea have played in over the last twenty years because I just you know I, I don't I refuse to pay that kind of money to go and see a friendly I just do but you know I I can understand why people do and you know I also absolutely understand the desire that we all have to go go and see each other again after a long time but you know for me and we'll talk about this later th- that's what I can't wait for for this Saturday for me that's when the season starts and. Twas ever thus. Now um, we better better shut up because we've got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff to cram into the show tonight. Uh, starting with after the break, uh, we've got the interview with Simon Johnson, who, as I said, is the football correspondent for the uh, London Evening Standard. And uh, Simon and I discuss the trouble with overseas tours, the current trouble at the bridge with what's going on with Conte, 
and uh, and you know if, if there's going to be any trouble ahead in the new season. I mean, the thing about Simon, of course, is that he's very close to all this, and he, you know he's at all the presses and. Uh, as he says in the interview, he was the last man to speak to, last journalist to speak to Conte on the overseas tour. So it's quite a revealing little interview that, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So we'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, uh, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, you are, of course, listening to the Chelsea Fancast, the first episode of the new season. We're all shiny, and we've all been doing our pre season training. Uh, I was on the London Lager last week when I was in London, Marco. You'll be pleased to know. Ooh. So we're, we're we're all fighting fit. Uh, but anyway, um, in this part here, really, I, I, we, I think we're going to really have a proper chat about uh, the pre-season and the overseas tour. And, uh, of course, um, you know, what's going on right now, much as it pains me to do it, but as it's the beginning of the season, for once only, I will. But I thought to kick the ball rolling before we all started going on about it, what we'd do is we'd... Uh, we'd I phoned up Simon Johnson today, and he's a cracking bloke. He, he writes for the London Evening Standard. Um, he's a Chelsea fan, but don't tell everybody because he's supposed to be impartial. Uh, and I've often had a... Well, recently, towards the end of the season, we, we, I met him for a few beers. He's a lovely, lovely bloke. So without further ado, I'm going to play you this fantastic interview that we had with Simon. Right, it's a, a lovely and very warm welcome to Simon Johnson, who is the football correspondent of the London Evening Standard, uh, who writes great stuff. And if you ever follow him on Twitter, tends to have his finger right on the pulse. And I'm delighted to say I actually finally managed to meet up with Simon uh, at the back end of the season and have a beer with him. And I did promise him at that time that one way or another, I would get him on the fan cast. And true to my word, I've got him on the first show of the season. How are you, Simon? I'm very well. I'm um, I'm ready for the start of a, of a new season. Never a dull moment at, at Chelsea, <laughs> of course. And uh, I'm expecting plenty more fireworks. Um, over the next few months, that's for sure. Well, I mean, as it happens, Simon, on, on the show tonight, we've also got Mark Worrell, who, who's a great friend of mine, but he, he coined the term about following Chelsea, glorious unpredictability. And if ever two words sum up following Chelsea, I think it is those two. Very much so, because there's no sort of middle ground. There's no plateau. It's either the highest of highs or... <laughs> <laughs> or a deep crisis, and um, it, it certainly um, makes covering Chelsea. This I, I've covered Chelsea for the Evening Standard now for for nine years, and um, there's never a dull moment. That's for sure. No, we wouldn't have it any other way if we were honest. Um, now, the first the first thing I really want to talk to you about is the is the pre-season uh, overseas tour, largely because I, I know that you were there. I, were you both in Beijing and Singapore, or, or did you just do the Singapore leg? No, I, I did. I did the whole uh, the whole lot. So um, yes, I, I covered the Chelsea v Arsenal in, in Beijing, which at the time, you know, it was a very promising start. I thought Chelsea played very well, and um, but it was just very interesting to be with Antonio Conte for the best part of um, just under two weeks because you gradually saw his mood um, become increasingly tense, and the, and the whole theme of the trip 
was him just in in one sh- in, in one shape or form mentioning the size of his squad yeah. in in many different ways, and it it just sort of it did bring back memories. I have to say because I was on the um, the preseason tour 2015 with Jose Mourinho. Um, of course, that, that that infamous season now, which was many Chelsea fans might want to forget, but it did bring back memories of the the kind of tension you saw with with Jose Mourinho back then to the, the tension that Antonio Conte is showing now. Well, I, I yeah, and indeed, and 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 I think that is a worry amongst many of us. And I, and I will, I would like to love to pick up on actually the trouble at the bridge or uh, in those contexts uh, in Singapore with Conte and, and what might be or might not be happening at the club uh, a little bit later. But uh, first up, um, I mean, I'm wondering, actually, just picking up on that directly, Simon, you know, my view on overseas tours, I wrote a blog for Football London about it the other week, and, and, and I'm not massively fond of them because, you know, I, I really do think that ultimately you know, people get way too excited about the results, which are meaningless because really it's just an exercise to get the players, you know, fitness back in their legs. Also an, ex- an excuse to try out different formations and tactics, obviously. But I think really what underlines it for me is the fact that really the board are using them as just a, a huge marketing and global branding exercise. And, and, and in that context, Simon, I wonder if that grates with some of these managers who, who see, see the tail wagging the dog somewhat. Is, it, is there a sense that you, you, you would agree with that? Well, certainly on, the, um, certainly on the sort of business side of things, that's what these tours are all about. There's no, no mistake about that. I mean, of course, Chelsea will play pre-season games regardless, but do they have to fly thousands of miles away um, cope with the very intense heat. Um, I mean, for example, in Singapore, it was basically 30 degrees all day. And you can imagine what that felt like to the players doing double training sessions and also then having to play a game of football um, uh, in, in between. And certainly I would highlight, for example, Cesar Espilicueta and his performances in, in the games out there. Now, we all know that Cesar Espilicueta is is arguably the most reliable defender in the Premier League. Mm. Well, he was unrecognisable out there. He, he was just, you could tell he was exhausted. And the way that Frank Ribery beat him for fun in, in the defeat by Munich um, sort of showed that that wasn't the Cesar's for the creator that I, I know and have come to appreciate over the last few years. But look, this is the reality of modern football. You know, Chelsea aren't going to make any money from, from playing Wicked Wanderers uh, Away here, you know, here in England, it's 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 all about playing these glamour games. Look, all the big European clubs, look at them. They're 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 not in the Far East. They're they're in America. It's all about um, attracting new fans, the fans that buy shirts, the fans that might come to the to the, to the ground and buy more merchandise and a one-off visit, etc. That's what it's all yeah. about. Um, and and when you sort of think about the tour itself, you have to sort of say because of a certain. Um, young Brazilian by the name of Kennedy. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, part one of Chelsea's mission didn't go quite according to plan. Well, that's that's an interesting story that I think is going to develop, but uh, I can imagine the board not being too happy with that. And in a sense, I wonder if the tail will wag that dog, because, of course, Conte's pretty much confirmed that he won't be playing for us this season. I'd be surprised to see him play for Chelsea again, to be honest. But it seems to me to be strange that a player... 
I mean, you know, it, 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 on, a, on a scale of one to ten, I can think of worse things to have done. But to sacrifice what is possibly a talented young player because they've annoyed somebody where they can go make money seems a bit rich to me. But anyway, that's probably just me being grumpy. I mean, what, one of the things I would say about the overseas tours is that, you know, uh, I actually feel sorry for a lot of the overseas supporters who do get a bit of a shellacking from those of us who are lucky enough to go to most matches over here. Because I think that they actually get missold, uh, you know, the, the, the fare that's put in front of them in a way, because they're not proper matches and, 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 that, and they never will be. And yet they're kind of marketed as if they would be. But having said that, I mean, I've been to one or two. I was over in the States uh, in 2009 and, and it's great fun. And, and, you know, I think for those fans particularly, particularly in the really big countries like the States, it's a real opportunity for them to do what we're lucky enough to do every week, which is to meet together in the pub and have a laugh. So other than the football and the shenanigans that was going on behind the scenes, Simon, did you manage to have a good time? <laughs> well, um, due to the time difference um, and the demands of my um, organisation, because, uh, of course, we now have um, the, the website, the increasing demands of, of um, um, providing copy on the website as well as the newspapers. So it's almost a 24 operation these days. So... I'm not going to give the impression that I was out um, <laughs> partying and, 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 and living the high life all the time, because I certainly wasn't. But um, when things calmed down a bit, particularly in the latter part of the Singapore um, leg, um, I have to say I, I did fall in love with Singapore. It's a very lively um, city, um, and the only gripe that I had about it was that when I did get to experience a bar the price of the beer was rather mm, expensive yeah um so let's just say that so uh, if anyone's planning a trip out there make sure you save quite a bit of money beforehand yeah otherwise you you're not you're not going to have much of a fun time in those bars no it, it's not cheap at all anyway um returning back home which of course we are about you know we're about to kick off the new season but there's been a lot of uh um, a lot of angst, I think, is the best way to describe it. And, and you know, not unusually, it, it revolves around the transfers. Um, you know, ultimately, I think, Simon, the truth lies somewhere in between. But I think I think we would be foolish to sit here and pretend that nothing is wrong. Because, you know, even with a, with a very considered view, we, we seem to be just replacing what we've lost. And we haven't really added... Uh, to the to the squad in terms of you know numbers and quality, I think. Um, you, do you think that that's a, f- a fair assessment of it? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it that Antonio Conte is is um, not a happy man about about the the business that that's been done so far, namely um, the the number and also the speed. Um, it, it's not he's not been helped, of course, by the fact that one of his signings, Bakayoko. Is not fit for the start of the season. Also, Eden Hazard, of course, Chelsea, I could be Chelsea's player, won't be fit for the start of the season. Um, Morata's joined sort of halfway through the, the sort of pre-season preparations, so he's still getting up to speed. It, it, it's all a bit, it's all a bit of a, it's just not a very smooth operation. Um, now he he wants certain players. Like um, Alexandro has been the, the the main target for left wing back, but but Chelsea are a different model under Roman Abramovich now than they were ten years ago. It's not a money is no object operation anymore. It's all about the balance sheet. And whilst yes, they've got lots of money to spend, 
clearly you only have to look at the three previous seasons where their net spend was about £13 million over that period. It says it all about the, the state the club's now in. It's all about balancing the books. So they're not going to go in and say, right, how much do you want for a player? Yes, we'll pay it straight away. And I think that's been a frustration for Conte because quite rightfully he's pointing out that last season he effectively won the title with 13 key players um, and he made it very clear that with Chelsea being back in the Champions League for this season that he needed a lot more. Um, now the counter-argument of course with Conte is well what about all these youngsters um, that could have sort of helped fit out the squad. I think because he is Let's just say he's kind of not including them, I think, in, in a way to sort of help um, stake his case for more senior players, more senior signings. And that's why the young players themselves are also sort of thinking, well, if we're not really going to be given a chance, then there's no point hanging around. I might as well go out on loan. So there's a bit of a... Um, there's a bit of a sort of game going on between sort of like Conte and the board at the moment. But Chelsea insists that everything's hunky-dory, they're all unsigned, and they will sign four players before the end of the month. But I just don't think that... that I just think it will mean that Chelsea are playing catch-up in terms of the way that Conte wants these new players to sort of interact with his system and interact with the, with the squad. I think all of that is absolutely valid. I mean, what what staggers me, really, is... You know, it sounds to me like, I mean, you know, fair enough if the club's priority now is to balance the books, but they seem to always want to have their cake and to eat it too. And they seem to hide behind the fact that they can just fire managers and they've got away with it for the last, well, God knows how long now. But it seems to me that they're giving Conte, you know, all of the responsibility and none of the authority because they're not getting the deals done and they're not getting in clearly what we need to be able to challenge on all fronts. And, of course, the first, the first thing that will happen if we don't challenge on all fronts is they'll turn around and blame Conte. So, you know, I don't, I don't blame him for being really angry about it, to be honest, Simon. Well, look, he did an incredible job last yeah, season. And, absolutely. And, 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 and let's be honest, I, I think probably people inside, you know, in the board of Chelsea were pretty surprised by what they were able to achieve. Mainly, I, I would say, the manner of the, the title win, not just winning the mm. title itself, but to but to do it with a with a record 30, 30 wins, particularly after a, a very shaky September as well, um, it, was, it was just phenomenal. So you sort of, if you're Antonio Conte, you must be thinking, well, if I don't get what I want off the back of that season, then what chance have I got? Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, and I think it's very telling that the contract, which we're all led to believe was going to be a contract extension, um, is now just effectively a pay rise. I, I think that's that's telling on both sides because on one hand, the club the club will sort of say, well, we don't pay big compensation payouts anyway, but it does give them a big amount of wriggle room if something goes wrong and, and Conte leaves, um, they now have a policy of, of they'll pay him uh, until he finds another job, um, whoever the manager is, um, their weekly salary. Now, that won't be a problem for Conte because I think if he does leave Chelsea, it won't be too long before he's snapped up by someone else. And, and similarly, for Conte, obviously, you know, with only a two-year contract, um, it gives him plenty. He doesn't 
tie him down long term um, to the club. So that, that it just seems to be an element of uh, wriggle room for both parties if, if this, this goes wrong. And and just detecting Antonio's mood, he's a he, like, he's a very emotional guy. He's a classic Italian. He, he, he will sort of um, <laughs> express himself um, angrily when when uh, when it when it takes him, but. You do get the feeling this is quite deep rooted. Um, I, I spoke to him. I was the last journalist to speak to him uh, out on the tour, literally just as he boarded, just before he boarded the bus to, to the airport. And um, you wouldn't have thought that this was just a pre-season tour. He, he already looked um, very tense, very sort of down, very sort of um, moody about things, and and it was kind of concerning to sort of see Antonio already in this mood before a ball has really seriously been kicked in anger. Mm, well, it's, uh, it's not good to hear that. And I, I, I have heard you mention that once or twice to, to Cundy and Goldstein recently, and it, it is a concern. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the, the question really is how, how likely is it? Because, I mean, he, he has done this before, hasn't he? he, he he's, he's, de- you know, he's, he's got off when, it, when, 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 it's, when it's all a bit too much. I mean, frankly, you know, given the circumstances, I wouldn't actually blame him. I think he's a... A rare talent as a manager, and if we, if we, or as I should say, the Chelsea board screw this up, I think that they're going to be, you know, they are going to get a hell of a shellacking from the supporters for this because we're not stupid. We see what a good manager he is, and we see what he achieved last year with the, quite frankly, limited resources that he had. Uh, so to to screw this up, I think the the board will get full on opprobrium from us lot if that happens. So I mean, is it likely? Well, let me let me play devil's advocate um, and just and just put a, a different kind of um, start um, slant on things as well. Chelsea will also the board will actually turn around and say, "Well, well, hang on a minute. Uh, we have given Antonio Conte um, a new club record signing in Alvaro Morata. Um, eight million is costing an initial eight million pounds more than Fernando Torres, um, plus." Um, Bakayoko, one of his main targets. Again, as a point out, unfortunately, he's injured at the moment or working his way back to match fitness. Plus Rudiger, who Chelsea um, came very close to buying last year, but he, he suffered a knee injury. And a very talented backup keeper in, um, in Caballero, which you could argue was a good bit of business to get 10 million for Begovic and, and a free agent in, in Caballero. So they all sort of say, well, look, you know, that's four, four key players. That, that we've given you it's all about the, the lack of numbers yeah um now again the club will sort of go well hang on we've got these young players but you know for one reason or another they're, they're now moving on either on loan or, or permanently and i'd also point to last uh, for any chess fans um i'd also point to last year where two key arrivals um arrived on deadline day yeah. in uh, yeah. david louise and marcus alonso so I, I would sort of say, don't throw in the towel yet. Don't um, don't cry into your beers just yet. Let's sort of see what the rest of the window will bring. I'm still very confident mm. they will be spending on three or four players. That, that's what I keep being told. Um, but the problem is, and as I stressed earlier, the problem is, is you do get the feeling that Chelsea will be playing catch-up. Or certainly Conte will be having to play catch-up in trying to get all these new players to start gelling together when the season's already underway, when, of course, all managers, whether it's Chelsea manager or whoever, you, you, can, you can hear Mourinho, um, similar sort of noises coming out of Old Trafford um, with the fact that um, earlier on in the window they hadn't signed many players. 
all managers want their players in to start pre-season. They don't want to be having to work on things um, after season on the way. And of course, with the Champions League coming along, it's not like last year where Conte had full on full weeks to to work with his players to get get the system sorted out. This time it will be game after game after game, and he's going to have very limited time to get things um, gelling together. And and I think to summarise that point, Simon, it should be remembered that I think the market is 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 very very different. Uh, from what it used to be. So I don't think it's as easy to get yes. these deals over the line as it used to be, irrespective of whether Chelsea are prepared to you know, throw money at it or not. Um, but I think ultimately it, it is about numbers, as you said. I mean, if we are going to compete on all fronts, as a quite a handy segue into what I wanted to talk about next. If we are going to uh, compete on all fronts, we need numbers. And, and I always remember you know, Mourinho's day, you know, that old adage of you need two quality players for each position in the, in, in the side. I think still holds true if you're going to try and compete Premier League, the Cups and the Champions League. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, Simon, how do you think we're going to do this season? Well, if you were to judge it on the current um, current state of affairs, um, so before the end of the transfer window, you'd have to sort of say that, that Chelsea won't, and rightfully so, won't be starting the season as, as title favourites simply because of the the, the size of their squad compared to others and, and the fact they've got the, you I think at this moment you, you're looking at um, you're looking at a top four finish and trying to win a cup they, they, they are nowhere near um, Champions League winning level um, I think the game against Bayern Munich uh, where Bayern had several players not even uh, not even in the team not even in the in the country um, the difference in quality between the two two sides sort of really stood out, even though it was just a pre-season friendly. So, I think if they get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, top four, and 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 sort of try and win a cup, that is probably at the moment, I think the best they can hope for. Mm. Um, because I, I just think there, there's also not the surprise element um, that Chelsea had last season of Conte and his three-four-three. Um, that isn't there. Teams are going to have sort of worked them out a little bit. Um, and it's also very hard, as Chelsea showed a couple of seasons ago, to to repeat. And, and in fact, no team has, has retained the title since Manchester United in 2009. So I, I do think it, it's going to be a lot harder for Chelsea. And um, But we'll see. I might, I might revise my opinion in, in three or four weeks' time, but I still I still think that the early part of the season is very much a damage limitation exercise for Chelsea, particularly with the the very difficult sort of fixtures they've got. Um, four of, four of last season's top six in the first seven matches, plus away games at Stoke and Leicester. Um, if you've got a team like Chelsea at the moment, which is a little bit sort of um, playing catch up, it, it's a very tricky start. So I think if they can sort of stay in touch with I expect Man City to be very, very strong, obviously, because of the, the signings they've made. If they can sort of stay in touch with them, then that'll be a real bonus. But um, I still don't think it's all doom and gloom, though, because you still look at players like Kante, Eden Hazard. Um, I think defensively with David Luiz at the back, Thibaut Courtois, Chelsea got one of the best keepers in the league, etc. The talent is there, I think, in the first 11. Yeah. It's just the squad that's the problem. Indeed, I, I concur absolutely with that, and I, and I share your your view about the Champions League. That uh, I think uh, quarterfinals p- 
possibly no more than that because I think that the, the, there there has been a big gap that's increased over the last few years between the the top European sides like Barcelona, Bayern, Real Madrid, Atletico, um, Barcelona, of course, you know. So I think I think we're not at that level yet. But you know, the great thing about the Champions League is that it is ultimately a cup competition, and you need a bit of luck to get you know to get far in it so you never know but we shall see the great thing is simon um all the talking stops on saturday and we actually see what's really happening and i can't for one wait for that and i'm sure you can't either absolutely i mean pre-season uh, and i'm so community shielding that um doesn't really um it's not football as we as we know it and, and as we enjoy it um and, I, and i'm expecting um i'm expecting a, a good atmosphere on saturday i, I think chelsea Chelsea fans should know that, that this is a big game. They they won't, even though it's just Burnley. I think memories of Swansea two years ago where it opened with a 2-2 draw and, of course, Courtois being sent off and, and Eva Canero. Mm, it, it just shows yeah. that it, 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 it doesn't matter what the opposition. I just think getting those first three points on the board, particularly with Tottenham the following week, exactly. I think is, is going, going to be huge for Chelsea just to lift everybody's mood, particularly Antonio Conte's and... Um, mm. I think any Chelsea fan that sort of uh, doesn't turn up on Saturday, I think they've got to sort of really get behind the team um, and, and sort of uh, sort of don't take anything for granted. Last season's gone. The title was a, was a great success, but um, it's very much back to square one for Chelsea in terms of the coming season. Absolutely, and I have no, I have no doubt that we'll be doing just that on Saturday. And as I said, I, I for one can't wait. Simon, great, great to have you on the show for the first time. I hope we can get you back on another time soon, and uh, I also hope that we catch up for a beer sometime soon. Been lovely to talk to you as always. My pleasure, Cheers. Look forward to it. Well, uh, I hope I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, what a lovely chap Simon is, and uh, thank you again to him for contributing in the way that he did. I think just to summarise that very quickly, because I think, I mean, what was really interesting, because Simon is a very level-headed chap, it has to be said. And, uh, you know, he's been quite close to the situation. And, and I think, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, we've seen it. We, we've been around the block with Chelsea. We've seen it all before. But I think there has been a, a a little bit of a hesitance to perhaps admit that there may be something that's not quite right or that, you know, Conte is not a happy happy camper. Uh, and and Simon seems to, to to verify that, which I thought was very interesting. But you know the root of it, which again is pretty blooming obvious if you work it out, because uh, we can all see it, is that whilst we have brought in some exceptionally good uh, players on paper, they are only really replacing what's gone out. And of course, we've also lost a lot of the, uh, you know, the squad players and the youngsters as well. And if we are going to compete on 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 all all fronts next season, particularly the Champions League, we do need reinforcements. I mean, Simon, to be fair, did actually say that you know he fully expects at least another four signings to be brought in. Um, but I think there's a concern about uh, Signore Conte, mi amico Marco. Yeah, he. he um, I don't know. It's quite interesting. I think. Um, coming at this from an Italian angle, that if you look at him last season, he was new He was new to the country, he was new to the Premier League, he, he was new to the language as well. Um, and I think he played his cards quite close to his chest last season, um, j- just in respect of, um, you know, what he thought about uh, the, the, the various machinations of um, the, the workings of Chelsea Football Club in terms of boardroom support, transfer dealings, etc. Uh, and obviously, you know, the, 
the team sort of swept to glory, um, which, which, was, which was fantastic. And I think maybe what we're seeing now is, um, and I think I think maybe you mentioned it earlier, actually, um, where Juve fans have sort of shared their experience with, with Conte in the past. Um, and he, and he, you know, he's he's a tigerish character, and uh, I I do harbour a concern that um, he could just, you know, turn round one day and say, do you know what, Sodger, I'm off back to mm-hmm. Italy, and that and that day, um, you know, could could come at any time. Um, he'd have no shortage of of uh, people willing to, to give him a job back in Italy. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one because I, I don't, personally, I don't harbour all the, the, the same concerns that the world seems to, that we've had a shocking transfer window. Um, oh, I agree with that. You know, I, I think what you saw at the end um, yesterday with... Um, Rudiger coming on, get going into that back three, um, Aspie moving out to um, wing back. Uh, I think that's going to be the template for the for the season ahead. And I think, you know, Rudiger, Louise, and um, and Gary Cahill as a back three. That that looks fairly solid to me. I think Bakayoko. Uh, with Kante in in the middle, that looks pretty solid to me. Morata, you know, we have, we have to wait and see. And I, I think Conte's got every reason secretly to be quite happy with that lot. And, and I think Chelsea supporters should be as well. You know, and if we get a couple more players that are actually that can actually contribute at a first team level rather than just be peripheral squad players, you know, in the same way that we ensnared Alonso and Louise uh, deadline day, um, you know, last season, I, I think we'll be fine. Um, and I think Conte, you know, he, he's just going to, he's got, he knows he's got all the supporters love him. Um, it would take something ridiculous to happen for uh, supporters to turn against him, mind you, but what happened to Jose? Uh, well, I mean, this is this is the thing, Marco, and this is kind of really what worries me. Apart from, as you rightly point out, uh, you know, he's a passionate Italian, so he's quite combustible in nature. But uh, you see, what worries me is the fact that the board. Uh, I th- I think that the board uh, have a rather overinflated sense of their own self-importance, and I think that they like to think that a lot of the success that we've had in the last fifteen years has been down to them. And that the managers are incidental and and therefore expendable, and actually we as supporters know how crucial it is when you find a superb manager, and I think Conte is, that you do everything in your power to keep them. And I think that there's quite an interesting power play going on at the moment. It really is. And as I said, with the track record that we've had recently and the ignorance of the board therein, that worries me. Now I also agree with you, Marco. As I said about the transfer window, and Simon also made the point, Jonathan. You know, it, it, it's not over until the 1st of September and there's a very good chance that we will bring some decent players in. I think what, what, what concerns me is that whilst we've got an excellent first 11, first 13 like we did last year, 
you know, if we are going to compete in the Champions League, you know, a bit like the Jose Mourinho adage, you need you need two really good quality players for each position. So a squad of about 24, all of whom can do a job to compete on all four fronts. Would, would you agree with that, mate? Well, I, I don't think the uh, the team we've got at the moment, I think, as Simon was saying, is good enough to, to compete in the Champions League um, other than uh, get through the group stage. And I, I thought if they were going to compete that they would make... Uh, another marquee signing, which still might happen, as, as Simon yeah, was saying, yeah. there's still three weeks to go. But uh, I think one of the things we must, two things we must consider. First of all, is if we're worried, how must Spurs be worrying because they have signed nobody at all and are relying entirely on the same squad and uh, and youngsters? Let's see what happens with them. And secondly, how much were the board offended by the Conte tweet? Because uh, um, I think, in fact, Alex mentioned this that, that before, that they weren't happy with Conte getting rid of Costa uh, via the tweet. And you wonder whether that's created um, an animosity between them that wasn't there before. Um, uh, so whether that's been a great bone of contention. Um, but I, I, I think it's, 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 once again, I'm quoting Simon. I thought that was a fantastic interview, by the way. Um, except the one area where, where I felt he he didn't communicate very well, even in the standard, was the number of players that we were associated with early on, which appeared to be one of the absolute appalling problems of the transfer um, window um, during the close season. And uh, Twitter seemed to exemplify this with, with, I think we were associated with 47 different players, according to Twitter. And, uh, and Simon came up with the same things. I mean, I don't get this Van Dyke business. Trying to uh, of um, of uh, what, what's his name Van Dyke the, the Southampton player is that his name Yeah yeah um, didn't you work yeah, yeah. With, didn't you work with him didn't you work with him yeah, in was, Mary Poppins with, with Dick yeah funnily enough I, I I taught him his accent I was a bit off I think <laughs> um, I hope but, I uh, cashed the check before they realised <laughs> yes they did but no but I don't get it because we're we're constantly associated with him and quite frankly as Marco was saying um, Cahill was the best player on the pitch on uh, on um, on Sunday thought he was brilliant he's a brilliant centre half. And uh, so, if they get if they were to buy buy this um, Van Dibra, whatever his name is from Southampton, he where would he play? Does that mean that that, that Louise is going? I don't think. No, so. I think it playing. means that Dave goes out and becomes one of the wingbacks. That's yeah, the if, only if, reason you can see for doing it. But then, where, where would Rudiger play then if Dave Dave's Centre. playing wingback? So those that, three, they would rotate around, and Dave, I think, would be you to look. Because if you want to win a big game, Dave has to be on the pitch. Well, indeed, of course he does. Yeah. What, does yeah, that mean? I, that, I think does that, that mean that Victor goes? There's no no room for Victor now. Victor's well, out. Is that Victor what that and means? Alonso suffer because Dave can play on either side. So I think depending on the fixture, I think Dave comes yeah, in. I suppose that I suppose that makes sense. But I'd rather have. I mean, my personal problem at the moment <laughs> is with the strikers because regardless of what how sweeter bloke Batshuayi is on the internet and how good he is in the penalty area his play up until then he does the odd good run but Costa you, it makes you realise what a wonderful player Costa was despite being clearly a complete handful completely impossible to manage and that's why why um, Conte got rid of him because he couldn't bear it he couldn't bear because he's out of control but as a footballer his ability to get the ball and beat players and do something unexpected at the moment I don't get that from them definitely ever will ever get that from Batshuayi and Morata has to to get his game together and he's a much more elegant player Morata than mm. than Costa Costa is you know is is 
is one of the greats, in, in my view, one of the great <laughs> centre forwards. But mad and completely, in, he just can't manage him, and that's why Conte got rid of him. And I understand that. But um, you know, that's the problem: is that he's a world class player, and Maratta and Batshuayi are a long way off that. So. Alex, I'm going to leave. Thanks, J.K. That was great stuff. Alex, I'm going to leave the final word to you. And and, and I, I, you know, just to kind of round it up, really, um, you know, do you think we're going to be able to compete on all fronts? Do you, do, do you think, you know, I, I think the, the the real nub of what I was trying to get hold of from Simon really was, you know, which we're never really told. But my feeling is that, you know, there's there's a there is a power imbalance in a way at the club because, you know, Conte asks for who he wants, but it's up to Emanalo, Granovskaya and, and the rest of them to, to do it. And 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 I, and I and I and I mentioned it in the interview. I think that he that Conte is given all the responsibility but none of the authority. Because if yeah. they if the board don't do their job and deliver what he needs, he's the one that carries the can. And I think that that's I mean, if I was in his position, and I have been actually in jobs and you can't work like that. And you have to turn around and say, well, fuck off. I'm not going to do it because I'm just going to be held out to dry. Mm. So given all of that, uh, just to kind of wrap it all up, is that the problem? Will we sort it out? Will we be able to compete in the Champions League this year with, with, with a small squad? If it's okay, I'll just shoot you two paragraphs from the blog because obviously I spent a lot, lot longer writing that than I would be able to just waffle away. I say that I'd be very surprised if his target for the Champions League is any more um, stringent than the one that Di Matteo is given after winning it, which was the next season you just have to make the quarterfinals. We want, or we want to be in the knockout stages, would be go K, but we'd like to make the last eight. I'd be amazed if they were expecting anything more than that of him. Um, what I say is that the Chelsea board, as much as we loved, and I do it, have a go at them, have not sat around with their thumbs up their asses all summer. The club has been unlucky in some of their efforts. The United were willing to pay more for Lukaku than we were. They were willing to pay more than he was worth. They wanted from us £75 million plus William and Fabregas, and quite rightly, we told them to fuck off. Sandro was apparently, I heard, like the way I hear it, it was an absolute done deal and he was coming. And the reason it's fallen apart is because Juve didn't manage to sign a replacement and they won't let him go. Um, and even the Bakayoko deal went around and around and around. I mean, it was effectively agreed weeks before it happened, but because of his knee injury, that made it awkward. And there was some toing and froing between um, different factions at the club about whether they were going to actually go through with the deal. Can I say with impunity that I believe Chelsea have done everything possible to boost our numbers and got everything right? No. Um, I don't have enough information, but most of all, I'm, I'm looking at it from the outside. It looks like they've missed a trick and we're behind. Um, but I know that four of the outgoing players at least wanted to leave. So Ake wanted to go, Chalaba wanted to go, Costa wanted to go three times, if you believe Conte, and knew he was going. And also Matic turned up on the first day of pre-season and handed in a request to go to United because Mourinho had tried to sign him in the window last year and it didn't happen. Um, I don't like hearing about the kind of text that Conte sent to Costa and I don't like to see him mopey and disagreeing with the club in public but our league winning manager is not happy and considering we won the league a few weeks ago his demeanour is just to me as a fan not not acceptable and I'm not not because of him but because of how he feels like you said 
Um, the sad fact of modern football management is that the results come down on his shoulders when he's not 100% in control of his own circumstances. So he has a right to feel that if he puts everything in, which he does, I mean, he's a madman, he puts everything into his role. He has the right to expect the same from the players, the same from the board and the same from the fans. And as far as the board are concerned, they need to do their jobs so, as well as he does his so that everything gels together. And I think at the moment he feels this is a discrepancy. I think he feels that they've failed him. But that having said that, like you say, we haven't actually failed at anything yet. Uh, we've got Hazard to come yeah. back to fitness. Yeah. We've got Bakayoko. The window isn't shut. Um, arrivals will be in late from now on, which is not ideal. But I don't think we need to buy big money players. I, I said in the blog, we don't need to do a pep and spunk money on every bloke with a Spanish no, accent who no, owns shoe pads. We need yeah. a deeper squad. We need utility we, we, men. We just we need, need we, we need quality. We need quality and we need quantity because we all know because we've been there. To challenge in the Champions League, you've got to have 24 decent players, not not 13 decent players and seven also rounds. And that's, I think, the concern that we have. And and I think the other interesting thing, which actually Simon made a really good point about, just to kind of wrap this up before we move to the break, um, you know, the club is run in a very different way than it used to be before. And it, it's now all about the balance sheet. And, and I know that Matt Marina Granovsky is very good at, at, at negotiating and making deals, but what I find really interesting is is that if that's the case and they are, you know, looking not to get mugged off, which on the one hand I approve of, they also seem to have therefore changed. Because I remember talking to the previous uh, board uh, a while ago that they really, they understood that the commercial success was derived from success on the pitch. And if you hamper or sabotage your chances for success on the pitch, you will suffer in terms of your success in the business. And that's and I and I hope they've they've got away with it for the last God knows how long, and and what worries me is that boards tend to be very short term because you know most chairmen only stick around for three or four years in the commercial world, and then it suddenly becomes somebody else's problem. And I really worry about the the long term vision for this because if that's the way they're going to go, they will come a cropper at some stage, and that worries me. Now I, I, I'm going to move on because we've waffled on a lot in this part, and we had to take account of. Simon's wonderful interview, but uh, before I do, I should alert you people out there in Mixilla land, and there have been loads of you in here tonight. I'm really impressed. Um, we had 404 people in at one stage. What's going on? Um, but anyway, uh, on Thursday, um, we're back with the Kerry Dixon show. You'll be delighted to know. Um, we, we've also got spot Kerry Dixon. Kerry Dixon won Kerry Dixon. Yeah, Kerry's on great form. I I've seen him a few times over the summer. Uh, we're also looking to get a sponsor involved, and uh, we are in negotiations. We're doing a Marina Granov Sky with a bit of uh, sponsorship negotiations at the moment, me and Kerry. Anyway, the lovely man and myself will be back this Thursday. We'll be recording our, our first show of the season, uh, and it'll be available to download sometime on Thursday afternoon. So make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Other podcast distributors are available. Um, now, after the break, we've got uh, some news on the crowdfunding for Alan Hudson's biography, uh, The Working Man's Ballet, uh, Mark and Alex's books, which were released over the summer, and the Supporters Trust AGM next Sunday, the 13th of August. See you in a sec. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. 
It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And we've got the lovely first first show of the new season. It doesn't get better than that for me. I've got the lovely Mark Worrell with me. Buonasera. We've got the uh, delightful Alex Churchill, the girl who likes balls. I've hardly sworn at all as well tonight. You've been very good. You've been very good. And actually, <laughs> on that point, I. Because Tony, Tony's not on. This is true. That's oh, right. Oh, my smart buddy. Happy well, birthday, smart no... buddy, for yesterday. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Happy birthday to the Reverend Tony Glover, whose birthday it was yesterday, the day after mine, which I find very spooky. Happy but birthday, Alex, you will have, you, Thank you. You will have noticed that Alex is on this week and Tony is on next week. Dude. And there are, some out, there are some out there in fancast land who think I do this deliberately to split you two up, and they would be right. <laughs> however... However, I have relented because Tony's off to France, I think, in the middle of the month. Uh, but when he comes back at the end of August, I do believe I have scheduled you together. In my Yay! birthday week as well. That's my in birthday. In your birthday so week. Well, there you, you go. So uh, best, I am. I'm all, heart, I'm all heart, really, you know. I'm not as, I'm not as much of an old shit as you like to think I am. <laughs> anyway, so we've got Marco, we've got the delightful Alex. And, of course, last but by no means least, the... Uh, the man who indulged in three jugs of pims at Lords of me and Dan, <laughs> the legendary Jonathan Kidd. Very rare. That's very rare for me. My I know. I should have captured it on photograph, mate, because it was you that did. rare. It was brilliant. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't drink as much as you thought I did, Judge. Though. Oh, mate, I, I was a bit squiffy by the time I got home. I'll be you honest. You drank mine. You I kept remember. drinking mine by mistake. Ah, I kept leaving but... <laughs> it just to find your right hand. 
Yeah, I'm known for that. Sorry about that. Uh, we'll, we'll, of course, Jonathan and I will be doing this all again because we'll, we'll be off, we'll be at the, uh, the West Indies Test match at Lords. Definitely, uh, definitely. Did you indeed, watch any so of it today, I did. I caught the end of it. Luckily, yeah, uh, me just too. Wasn't Ali wonderful? Well. Wonderful. I love Mo and Ali. I love oh, him. I love my him. He's my, God. I, I, I've been extolling the virtues of Mo and Ali as the best player in the team for the last three years, and people laughed at me. They laughed at me, J.K. And ah. now look at them. Now and they're laughing them. on the ah, other they're side. Not laughing exactly. now. Ah, ah, they're not laughing now. No. Right now, we should get on with the show. Um, now, there's no emails, Jonathan. So I, 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 I might, uh, I might get you to read one or two of these out. If is, is, I, I hesitate to say that because I know that I wrote them, so it's probably not even in English. But I'm going to kick the, I'm going to, I'm going to kick the first one off if you don't mind. Um, Whatever you like. Because the lovely. The lovely Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, the lovely John King and Martin Knight uh, have, have been asking me to plug this out, and I'm sure a lot of other people are as well. But it's really important because Alan Hudson, who uh, for for people of a certain age, and that would be certainly me, Marco, and Jonathan, was a was a wonderful, wonderful Chelsea footballer. Uh, he had style, he had flair. He was an original Kings of the Kings Road, um, and sadly, uh, he got sacked by Dave Sexton, and it all started to go wrong for us. Uh, he then went to Stoke, where he played for a manager called Tony Waddington, who he had a lot of time for. And in 1996, he wrote a, a biography called The Working Man's Ballet, uh, which was widely, widely acclaimed as one of the best football books ever written. Um, but it was only a very limited print run, and, and very few people got the chance to read it. However, as I said, John King, who of course wrote The Football Factory, uh, and Martin Knight, uh, who was the biographer of George Best, Peter Osgood, and Charlie Cook, uh, and they, of course, run London Books. Now, they're seeking to crowdfund an updated and expanded larger format paperback edition of the book, uh, and to finance this, uh, they're trying to raise at least five grand through Kickstarter. Now, uh, a single copy uh, in the UK will cost you 19 quid plus postage and backing, so about 24 quid, I think. Uh, and price, there are prices for different parts of the world, so it's a little bit more expensive if you want one in the States or Australia or, or wherever you're listening from. Uh, and uh, you get signed copies. There are other rewards if you pay a bit more, such as being included in the list of backers for the book. You get signed copies of the Football Factory. You can even pay for a get-together with Alan, John and Martin. And if you like a drink, that is not to be missed. Uh, and, of course, there are the, 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 top, the top reward, if you pay lots and lots and lots of money, is a standalone dedication at the front of the book. Um, but I, I absolutely, completely and utterly implore you, if you haven't already... Uh, to go out and pledge your 24 quid or whatever it is to get a signed copy of this book. There are only eight days to go of the campaign, and if they don't reach the target of 5,000, then it you know it doesn't happen. So I really hope you do. Now, they've, they've basically managed to grab hold of 3,715 of the 5,000 so far, uh, and the, uh, the campaign closes on August the 15th, so don't miss out on the chance to read the autobiography of one of Chelsea's most stylish players from the late 60s and early 70s golden era. Uh, it'll hopefully give all of those who missed this fascinating book the first time around the chance to read it. And all you have to do is visit kickstarter.com and search for Working Man's Ballet, and you'll find their Kickstarter page there. I mean, alternatively, I I've had it pinned on, a on the Chelsea Fancast Twitter feed for the last couple of weeks and i'll keep tweeting out this week but please 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 do it you will not regret it and if you don't do it i'll be very cross with you because i desperately want a copy so there you go i mean marco this probably you know taps into to to, to, to you what you do really i mean we had a successful kickstarting of tim's book didn't yeah. we earlier in the summer yeah yeah yeah, yeah well i've certainly backed um well, both campaigns but yeah I, I was actually saying to john and martin that i'm really looking forward to the uh 
the book launch for Alan's book. That should be one hell of an evening, I think. Now that will be, yeah, that will be wild, wouldn't it? I, I and I, I really hope they do it. I mean, you know, I, it gave me a really good excuse the other week during the summer break to stick up the old. Uh, you know, the Alan Hudson podcast that we did, which was just brilliant, actually. I forgot how good it was. And what I also forgot, Marco, was that actually I did another interview on the same show with, with uh, He Who Must Not Be Named, the uh, Obersturmwellführer of the uh, CFC UK fanzine. And he was yeah, equally I, funny. So he, he actually came down on the, on the afternoon of the Eddie McCready event um, at the end of last season. He actually came down in the afternoon to meet, to meet up with Eddie uh, did Alan? Did he? Yeah, he did, and he was wearing wraparound uh, black shades. He had his picture taken with my little Misty, and Misty went, "Who's he, Daddy?" And I said, <laughs> very, very famous player he used to play for Chelsea. And she went, "What happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was really. Yeah, how long have you got? Strangely attired, he was. Um, uh, but yeah, he was on cracking yeah. form. So. Good. It'll be good. good. Follow him on um, follow him on Facebook, uh, which I think is public, so you can. He writes absolutely fascinating stuff. Occasionally, it's a bit bitter and it rambles, but it's it's huge insights into uh, what went on in that era, and uh, it, it's really worth it. Um, uh, I think it's public. I think you just go on and, and have a look. But he's uh, he's a good writer. Very good writer, mm. and um, yeah. and he, he absolutely loves Tony Waddington. He keeps going on about what a wonderful yeah. uh, inspiration he was to his career, which he wasn't didn't get from um, from Sexton, and how also uh, um, uh, what a, a, a bastard Revy was, completely appalling. Mm. The, yeah. uh, the weird the Leeds, guy, Leeds and England manager, yeah, absolutely. But no, I, Very I weird I've, guy. Met him, I've met him a couple of times at uh, in Aussies, and um, uh, sweet, charming, approachable. Um, uh, I, I wish him well. I, I just think he's, uh, uh, you know, if he can get anything out of this, um, uh, out of the book. After if the event is any anything near as good as the McCready one, Marco, oh, there'll be yeah. there'll be there'll be tears. My goodness me, that was a wonderful yeah. evening. The McCready evening was wonderful. So uh, I'm sure the Hudson one would be just as just as good because he was a great well, we, player. We, and there's, there's great feeling for these great players in the past. You just absolutely love them, particularly that era. My good, even with well, the McCready era, but specifically. Um, when, when McCready was manager, it was great. But for, for the 70 side, 70-71 side, there's a complete complete outpouring of, uh, of delight and approval for the, uh, the wonderful skills that they had. It's, uh, it's Well, great. to do that, JK, we've got to make sure we, we, we pledge for a book. I hope you have. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Good man, good I'm man. I'm a secret, now, secret talking pledger, of- me. You're a secret pleasure. That's what our secret pleasure. That's what we like to hear. Uh, right now, talking of books, um, because uh, you know, because it's the first show of the season, and I, and, I, and I deliberately got both Alex and Marco to come on because I'm very conscious of the fact that uh, they too uh, release a, a couple of excellent books at the end of the season. Uh, I have to say that I have got neither of them. Uh, because I'm obviously waiting for my free copy, but also, but more importantly, I'm waiting for my signed copy. 
<laughs> and actually, just just to, just, I know I'm such a shameless tart, but you know it's that. Perk, yes, well, I do. But I love their I love their work. But um, the other thing is, I've also got a copy of the Eddie McCready book, which um, um, I, I I the one I'm reading because I've got one signed by Eddie McCready, but I've got one that's unsigned. But I'm really saving that to be signed by all of the authors on that which is going to be impossible because to track down the five authors of that book over the season is going to be hard, but I'm going to try. But enough of that. I'm, I'm going to... <laughs> well, I, well, I'll get you to sign it on Saturday. I'll, I'll do that Kelvin on Saturday. He's in Florida at the moment. Yeah, he's in Florida. But I need you, Kelvin, DJ, Mark and Smithy. Just, just, just one, can I just make one point about that book? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What, the Eddie book? Yeah, we, we actually... Um, I, I put some in the lockup that had been signed by Eddie, uh, which were there for the the um, the post season, uh, the end of season party come parade um, that that never happened. We obviously didn't happen for very sad reasons, but uh, we we had something like I think there's 20 copies that are signed by McCready, which were destined for the CFC UK stalls. So. Essentially, if, if if anybody out there would like to get a copy that has been signed by Eddie McCready, um, we will have some on the stall on Saturday. So you heard it here first. So get there okay, first. Well, and get a copy if you want one. Okay. Now I want to talk about your your book as well, um, which uh, which is about this one the wonderful the wonderful season we had, and uh, predominantly about uh, Signore Conte, isn't it, Marco? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, been well received, and it, it did did particularly well with along with the Eddie book. We we spent all of June trying trying to fight off. Uh, Mesa Mesa right. Mesa we defeated him, Marco. <laughs> From the number one slot in the Chelsea charts, I'm still waiting for Chelsea to sign Meza Urzel in what re remains of the, <laughs> the transfer window. Then it won't feel so bad seeing his frog-eyed face. Um, sitting at number one in the Chelsea charts on Amazon. Take that, Bob. So can you can you can you can you remind us uh, what it's called and how one can purchase this fine book, Marco? It's called the Italian Job. Um, so uh, yeah, essentially, it's, it's about Conte uh, from when he first arrived at Chelsea and a little bit before and. Um, the journey through last season. It's available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle format worldwide. Uh, yeah, so there you have it. So buy can it. I, can, I, can, uh, can we get a can we get a, a copy at the stall? Is it available? Yeah, at the stall? we'll have it on the stall. So I will Great. give you your copy to review on Saturday, buddy. Oh, there we go. Yes, that that sounds like a fair exchange, mate. Um, brilliant stuff. Uh, Marco's books are are just uh, you know I I just uh, well I adore the man I adore the man anyway, but I, I, the books are just brilliant. So I, I I've been saving it up because I wanted to get it from the stall rather than. You know, get it anonymously, as it were. Um, now, also, another young lady, uh, uh, with the help of Marco, actually, um, also wrote a fabulous book, which is kind of pretty much based on your amazing Girls Who Likes Balls blogs, isn't it? And it's called Veni, Vini Vidi Vici, isn't it, Alex? It is, which is Roman for I came, I saw, he, I conquered. I saw, I conquered, he indeed. Did. Which um, he did, yeah. Before we mention that, we've really failed everyone tonight by not reliving one moment from yesterday at Wembley. Oh, yeah. So, five minutes in, 
blue people get up and start singing stand up if you hate Tottenham. So then the whole blue end stands up and then the whole red end stood up and sang it as well. So you had 85,000 people <laughs> think you stand up if you hate Tottenham at what is currently their home ground. And I just thought we'd well, make a nod to that for everybody who wasn't there. It was a moment. It was a shame. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. Embe- sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. Oh, yeah, salary moment and old money. I can I embellish that slightly because on on the way to the FA Cup final, uh, you know, as always, I ended up in a tube that was kind of half Chelsea, half Arsenal, and we were giving it out with a lot of songs. And then then they all started to sing "Stand Up" if you hate Tottenham, and I just looked round to the guys that I was with. I said, "You know, you've won when they do that." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is which is kind of true. Um, but anyway, we can get anyway, your book look. from Amazon and and from the store, Marco, as well. Yeah, it's yeah. there, available. Please buy it. Please buy Alex's book as well. Please buy any book apart Please from buy. the one by Meza Erzel. Yeah, <laughs> campaign to get Bog Eyes off the Chelsea chart. But no, well, it's I, I, I tell you, but there are some extra things. There's a season review. There's a review of Conte. There's a lot more piss taking out of he who will not be named. Who I've renamed for this season Checkbook Pulis because I thought it was hilarious. Okay, um, I, I I definitely will be in the market for one of those, and I want that both signed and and sealed with a kiss, Alex. But I tell you what, I'm also in the market for is your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. World War One history books because uh, I, I still don't own any of those, which is very remiss of me, and I, I'm 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 in the market for for those as well. All right. Do you know what? Yesterday, both the Somme and the Passchendaele book were in the top twenty World War One books on Amazon. That was quite wow, quite humbling. So no, it's done really, really well considering that I didn't get the BBC coverage that I was promised, um, and the people that did, we've actually wiped the floor with them in terms of sales and that. So people have really responded to the fact that they're based around. Um, personal stories and like the experiences of people who fought the battles as opposed to a new history that's all like then they went there and then they did this it's more like how people felt so yeah yeah which is great well i'm i I must go and purchase those and i will want them signed and and then with a nice big lipsticky kiss on them as well and and by the way have you have you have you guys not not doing a 100 anniversary of combray uh book no, but you know what we're looking at now? We're now looking at like, because um, our spreadsheet's called Speckled Jim after the pigeon in Blackadder. We're looking at Speckled Jim Goes Large, which will be a, a big souvenir book of the whole war in which Cambrai would be in there. So, yeah. Well, that's a great shame because the, the first David Chigi, I am the fourth, I believe. Maybe mm. he was the second then. Uh, he was shot. Uh, he was a tank driver at Cambrai and he got shot by a German sniper. So obviously, so Combray is all about tanks. It was specifically built to yep. try first, and use first major the tank, tank so, battle. That's so that's right. a big thing. All right, I think the message of this particular part is go and buy lots of books, people. They're good and for you. Marco, Benny the Blue wants to know: Is there a checkbook Bueless T-shirt so you can do one of those? <laughs> I yeah. buy and, and Bonnie Rig Blues. <laughs> sorry, jo- sorry, JK, go on. No, I'm going to say I'd buy it, checkbook Bueless. I think it's an excellent name. Do you know what? I did steal uh, it off Guna on Twitter who sent it to me, but it is so true. But, um, yeah. And Bonnie Rig Blues as well, I think, was asking yeah. about the Alan book. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm not sure is the answer to that Bonnie Rig Blues, but I do know that Martin and John have written forward or an afterward, if you if you prefer. So there is there is additional content to the original one, but I'm not entirely sure what that is. Is that a fair assessment, Marco? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now it's, yeah. uh, well, in, in all fairness to 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 Alan, um, 
he, he could have done with some editorial help, I think, when he put the first book out, which obviously has been taken care of by uh, John and Martin this time around. So it's altogether a better uh, read now good all right okay now i'm just gonna i'm just gonna whiz through a couple of quick uh bit of newsy type things um apologies jonathan i'm just gonna whiz through it mate, uh, first mate, of all we've got the eight... it's, about, it's about the the the, the um uh, the thing you're chairman of you know the trust so you must read that one i suppose so the duty yeah. falls to me um right chelsea borders trust we've got the uh, annual general meeting coming up this sunday the 13th of august very very important meeting uh, and it's in the Hollins suite at stamford bridge and it kicks off at two o'clock. Now, all members are welcome to attend the AGM, uh, but we must have... Con- this is annoying because of the security at Chelsea, but there you go. We've got to have confirmation from you that you will be attending no later than 10 o'clock on Thursday, the 10th of August, which is this Thursday. As I said, they require us to provide a list of uh, attendees for security reasons. Now, if you turn up without having confirmed your intention to attend by the time that I've just mentioned, 10 o'clock on Thursday, you might not be admitted to the meeting, which would be a bit of a blow. Uh, now, attend the AGM members need to have to attend the AGM members need to have paid their annual membership subscription. Now, if you're unsure whether you've paid up or you think that your membership has lapsed, then please check by emailing membership at chelseasupporterstrust.com. Now, in terms of what we're going to be doing, we're going to discuss the chairman's annual report, the accounts, the membership survey, or a bit of a summary about the results of those, and, of course, the forthcoming trust board election. So it's the most important meeting we do every year. Uh, There are refreshments available uh, during the meeting, and Dan Levine will be doing his uh, much-loved Chelsea quiz uh, afterwards, and where I will be looking to... uh, Well... Uh, my team won it the first year and then Tim Rolls' team won it last year and me, Martin and Dan are out for a revenge. So you have your warning, Tim. Now, just a quickie, join the trust, get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member or free for non-voting members. But if you don't uh, pay your five quid, you can't get involved in the AGM and things like that. Uh, so uh, make sure you uh, sign up and do that. Go to uh, chelseasupporterstrust.com. And, of course, follow them uh, at Chelsea S Trust on Twitter. Now, very quickly, CPO, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever. Now, to find out how to buy a share for about 100 quid, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out uh, chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And you can follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Uh, and of course, you can buy the shares in installments if you can't shell out 100 quid in one go, which sounds very fair to me. Now, after the break, we're going to be looking ahead to the opening match of the season against Burnley next Saturday. And more specifically, what is it that we are most looking forward to in the new season? We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. We're in the last part now. Um, I've got Marco Worrell with me. Buonasera. And I've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And I've got the wonderful Alex Churchill. Dobre dien. 
Alex will fight you on the beaches and she'll never surrender. I love your name. It's very so Churchillian, your name. I know. Yeah. Are you related? Are you related? Really distantly, but like I'm researching my George V book at the moment. And so World War One, Churchill was just an absolute scoundrel. We've not yet reached World War Two, where he's sort of the nation's rock. He's just a git bag yeah. in a lot of what I'm well, he, doing. So it's quite... Well, he, 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 caught, he caused Gallipoli, basically, didn't he? He did, but it's more than that as well. He's he's an an absolute shitster. <laughs> he was the fir- first lord, first sea lord, wasn't he? He was, yeah. But he's um, yeah. it's his intriguing in the cabinet and things that drives everybody mad. And yeah, yeah but he no, was, he, he wasn't the, the messiah. He was a naughty boy. Um, all right, uh, now listen. At this point of the show, as you all know, uh, people who listen to it every week, we normally have loads and loads and loads of your emails to read out, but. Uh, of course, as it's the first show of the season, I didn't draw your attention to this, so we don't have any, which is very upsetting because it's the highlight of my week when we, we get Jonathan, the most renowned and highly paid uh, voiceover <laughs> artist in the universe, to read Less them the for free. Paid, and ju- Less of the highly yes. paid. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan knows that I revel in the fact that I, I get uh, the most highly paid and awesome and highly regarded voiceover artist of the country to read out our emails for free. He knows that it tickles me pink. He says he's uh, not highly but, paid, but he goes home at night and just rolls around on a bed full of twenty pound notes. And then we wander <laughs> in and we say, Jonathan, where did it all go wrong? Exactly. Um, but anyway, look, uh, obviously what I'm now about to do is to ask you to send in your emails for next week. We do love receiving them, and of course we'll always try and read them out on the show. Uh, so do send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com, and you must do that before Monday, otherwise they don't make the script. Uh, and then uh, Jonathan will be happy. Now, um, it seems to me to be sensible, it being that our first game of the season is on, is on Saturday, that we actually talk about it. So, uh, But before we do that, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more generalistic, actually, really, and I'm going to ask the, the chaps and chapesses here, you know, it, it, I mean, it, Marco, I know, shares this sentiment totally, but it, there is something very lovely and, and, and quite nostalgic in my, in my view about the, the first game of the season when, you know, you've not seen your mates for two or three months, your football mates, and, and then you all kind of reconvene. Uh, on the first day and, and and it's a lovely lovely feeling but I mean you know what 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 are you looking forward to most about the forthcoming season Marco? Uh, what in general or? Anything you like. Um, well one thing that I always find always makes me chuckle is um, when you see people that you only see at the football so you see them for the first time I'll tell you, Jason, Jason Marco chuckles cabby on Twitter being a prime example. Lovely he's he's in here tonight listening, mate. He's listening here tonight. Uh, he'll turn up and I'll see all these people on Saturday and you, you, you put your hand out, shake hands and go, happy new season. And I just think that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it fails to make me laugh. I don't know where it came from. I mean, I, I, I've only been aware of it sort of through standing around on on the stall for I don't know it must be getting on for a decade now um, but but happy new season I, I love that <laughs> yeah that's great I like that too so that that so you're looking forward to that which is great uh, Alex what about you what are you looking forward to most oh my hugs with Marco on his stall and seeing you mm. and seeing everybody mm. and basically just being out there and watching football again because yeah the summer's summer's turgid I kind of like I'm right in the middle of doing a really hardcore book at the moment and I need my escapism so this is like I'll go George V get out my way I'm going out to drink gin and watch football so yeah 
Lovely stuff. I, I, do you know what, Alex? I tell you what I promised this year because I do quite like gin myself. So I think you and I need to go on a on a on a on a disgraceful gin bender. Oh, we're All going right? on one after Arsenal for my birthday. Come with us. There's a gin palace in London. We're going after the All game. Right. I- uh, there is nothing as I, I, I shall paraphrase Hunter S. Thompson, who is my all-time hero and favourite author, and uh, slightly paraphrase him and misquote him and say there is nothing so depraved as a gin binge. Oh, and there are said, over three hundred kinds of gin in this gin palace. Let's yes. do it. I'd like to get you and me. Let's go and get very depraved together. I let's shall enjoy that. I <laughs> uh, see. Now that's now become the thing that I'm looking forward to most of the new season, uh, but not quite. Um, Jonathan, my old chum, what, 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 you know, what are you looking forward to most for the new season? I'm looking forward to the uh, the helter skelter, the. Uh, um, uh, the complete pain of uh, losing to people I can't stand losing to. Um, <laughs> the uh, the joy. You're such of... a self-flagellist, mate. I know, but then there's the joy of like the joy, Arsenal's the capitulation joy, exactly. and the, joy the point of where the... Liverpool realise exactly the joy of stuffing the very same teams. And the the trouble is, I try I try and be as dispassionate about it as possible, but I care so much. The pain that I have watching our team is such and I try and go oh, I don't really care much about that it's like Sunday I'm thinking oh I don't really care about that and in fact I just love winning I love it so much and uh, but I try and be um, uh, mature and appreciate it's not going to happen all the time um, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to a, a season of surprises and ups and downs and huge huge uh, joy and um, appalling sadness because that's you know what, what happens though? every year I have an awesome vision of you going into a right paddy because you're in the East Middle that you can just walk in and sit down at the table and start bashing it and go, Minion, bring me wine when you're in a bad mood. I think the, 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 the rather the rather excellent waiter that uh, we have would be somewhat uh, annoyed if I treated him like that. He was lovely. Absolutely. He was. He is lovely. And ironically, <laughs> some people there did treat them like that, which was... Yeah, they, 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 some of them lovely. do, I think. No, some of them are a bit like... Some people are a bit like that because they've paid, you know, they've... they've they're in the prawn sandwich area. So, no, the uh, worst was the ones that are only obviously only in there because Daddy paid for them to be in the prawn sandwich area. Of which there are. Sure, so, yes. There are, because you can hear them because they're going... <laughs> in the distance. Well, I tell you, on, on that note, uh, I, I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to is being invited back to uh, the land of the East Middle residence yes, uh, where you, Jonathan you're lives. On you're on the oh, list. Uh, do, you, do, do you think... Do you think? Do you think the gap between me uh, last going and offending everybody is long enough now? I think, I think you have to shave your beard off and um, <laughs> and uh, and wear a hat, very low down. I shall. I shall I, for you, Jonathan. I, for you, Jonathan, I'll come. I'll wear a suit. All right, just for you. <laughs> but uh, you know, actually, look. What, you're what's, on the, sorry, on the go cards, on, Alex. Chidge, Chidge, you're there. You'll All right, be, mate. You'll be invited. All right, my love. All right. Definitely. Okay. You might be Alex, invited Alex. twice. Oh really? Well, I, 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 that'll be terrible. That'll be terribly spoiled. Yeah. All right, okay. Before before we talk about Burnley, I I I, I know it sounds cliched and and cheesy, and it and it pretty much equates to what to what Alex and and certainly Marco said. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I I love the football and everything, and I agree with Jonathan. The roller coaster ride, the highs and the lows are are, are really, you know, in some respects, what makes it the greatest game in the world. Uh, but 
the thing I look forward to most is always just meeting up with with everybody, you know, before and after. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it, we, we we're so blessed having done this show and got involved in all the things that we've got involved with that we just know so many people uh, from all over the world. You know, London, you name it, we know everybody from well we know, don't know everybody but we know a lot of people all over the world and they often come to the pubs to see us and have a drink and actually that's what i look forward to most and i i shall have a grin on my face as big as a cheshire cat when i leap off the 211 and give marco a big hug on saturday uh at around lunchtime and then wander off to the cock to go and have a few ales with my chums in there that i haven't seen properly for a proper chelsea related beer so there we go bring it on um now Back to seriousness and football, uh, because we should really do it a little bit of justice before we disappear off home. Um, we got Burnley on Saturday. Um, now I'm I'm going to keep keep my powder dry on this one, but I'm, uh, Marco, I mean, how how do you see this panning out? Three nil. <laughs> Lovely, I love it. William, two <laughs> that- goals, and, and everybody, and all, all the nonsense about um, pre-season not being that good and transfer window not being that good or just dissipate poof, like that as William ripples the net in front of the Matthew Harding lower. Yeah, I mean, William looked actually quite quite good in pre-season, didn't he, actually? And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 you, know, you know what? I think this is, he's got a big opportunity, William, because... Um, you know, he was kind of on the periphery of things last season. Yeah. Well, um, he wasn't well. And, I mean, he lost a stone after his mother died, which I yeah, didn't realise. Yeah, I mean, he, he, had, was, you know, yeah. he kind of had a lot, a lot to deal with. Um, and I think, you know, with Hazard being out of the frame for these early games, I think he's got an important role to play, perhaps more so than than any of our other forward players, given... You know the, the the question mark over um, the the Batshuayi Maratta thing. Um, you know he, he's got to shoulder a lot of responsibility in those opening games until uh, Hazard is fit to return, and I think he's the man to do it. So I'm looking forward to William showing the claret the way home on Saturday. Yeah. A, a William brace. You, you've, you remember where you heard it first. Stick your money on William to score. Marco will give you some good odds in a minute. Um, Alex, uh, what say you? Um, I, do you know what? I think Sean Dye should be sitting there with his like scary face, rubbing his hands, thinking, "Wahaha!" After that Arsenal game, I can get something <laughs> out of this. But I think we're going to go two nil, and then he's going to come out with his smoking eighty a day voice and say that it was unfair and they could have got something. I think as long as we get a relatively early goal, we'll be all right. Um, yeah, I, I don't see them being sort of. I think they'll hope to pin us back and keep us at nil nil as long as possible. Do a Pulis basically, but I don't think they'll pull it off. Two nil. Mm. Okay, J.K. Uh, 3-0, Maratta will score all three. Oh, wow. Instant instant Chelsea legend if he does that, mate. Crikey. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, but I, I, to be frank, Chidge, I've got no bloody clue. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, if they play as badly as they played again on Sunday, and they played as badly as they played against Bayern, and they play as badly as they... Money, they weren't bad against Milan. They were just very unlucky because of dreadful decisions. Um, if they're sluggish, 
it'll be one one or something or one nil. I just hope it isn't. But uh, I don't know. I think it, they haven't set us a um, the template they've given us so far isn't isn't um, isn't great. And if the manager yeah, transmits but... his his woes and his anxiety to the team, then they're not going to do very well. I have to say well, that, that, that there is a tiny part of me that can see myself sitting there on 79 minutes at nil-nil going, for fuck's sake, yeah. just yeah. score a goal. Have yeah. faith. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, I mean, exactly. And I, 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 I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, Jonathan's brilliant. You know, he has no idea. And, of course, he's right. None of us have an absolute <laughs> bloody clue what's going to happen. But I, I love I love Marco and... Uh, and Alex's, and actually to a certain degree, Jonathan's extreme optimism. That's exactly what being a supporter is all about. And of course, the great thing about a new season is you start from scratch. And actually, everybody has a clean sheet. Uh, and of course, in a sense, that applies to us, even though we are champions. We have to start again. Um, i tell you what I think. I think that the reality is, is that, you know, our first eleven is still the side that won the, the league last year and is still very good. OK, we're not going to have Costa and we're not going to have Hazard. So for me, the interesting thing about Saturday is how we cope without arguably our two most important players. So I think, as Marco absolutely bang on uh, mentions, a lot will depend on, on William. And I think also Pedro Marco as well, actually, who I think has yeah. become a super player for us. But I think, I think the real issue is, uh, you know, can either... You know, Batshuayi or Morata or a combination of the two uh, step into uh, Diego Costa's very considerable scoring boots, um, I think and we will find out on Saturday. There. I think he's getting well, there. I... He's still not a big enough bastard, but he is getting there. But I tell you what, Alex. What I mean, you know, when I when I, I sit here and give everybody who listens to the show the impression that I've I've watched none of the the preseason games at all, uh, and the, the the actually the reality is I have. I mean, mm. in fact, I was so desperate for one of them that I actually watched it on Twitter because somebody put it on Periscope. <laughs> so you know, I am I am I am just as sad as everybody else. It's just that I don't like to admit it. Um, and but I will say this: I thought that Batshuayi looked really sharp, and I and, and I you know he, he looks like a player who can score goals. Yeah. Um, my only he, concern at the moment is that he gets a bit isolated up front. He's also as well like your ideal centre forward. Guys have got to groan when they see them on the team sheet, like a drug or a Costa. Like, oh, I've got to deal with this arsehole all day. You wouldn't do that, at Michi, right now because he's so cute and Twitter friendly and stuff. He needs to be a bigger bastard. Yeah. I well, agree. yeah, maybe so. But, but well, we shall see. I mean, bound since West Brom, that's really fired him. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean, he he's in a good run of goal scoring form. I mean, he was banging him in at the end of the season. I mean, I you know, he, he this kid could score goals. I think this kid's got talent, and 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 I would be I would be uh, excited to see him get a run on the side. I'll be even more excited to see him score. I mean, the bottom line is because, in fact, you know, Bar, Bar Hazard and, and Costa, which of course is clearly an issue. Um, we still have a very decent first eleven. So, you know, frankly, if we can't push over Burnley in the first match of the season at home, then we really have got a massive problem. So uh, I'm pretty confident that we will as a result. I mean, more more broadly, folks, I mean, you know, what, what's your view on, on how we might do in the Premier League this year and the Champions League, Marco? Sorry, say, say that again? Uh, I know it was quite a surprising question. How do you think we're going to do in the season as a whole, the, the, the Premier League and the Champions League? <laughs> Sorry, Marco. I, I, Alex I, is making me giggle. What do I think will happen? I think it's Manchester City's turn to win the Premier League. So mm. I think that will happen. I think Chelsea will win the FA Cup. I think Everton will win the League Cup. 
And the Champions League, who knows? Mm, who knows? Yeah, it's, a, it's hard to call that, really, isn't it? Yeah. Alex, what say you? I'm going to go, well, I will be happy <clears throat> with top four last eight. Whether that happens, I don't know. Uh, I think it's so much yeah. like your like your man said on his interview, the Evening Standard man. Ask me again in three weeks. Right now, I just yeah, don't know. I, Ask me when the window closes, and then I won't sit on the fence. Then I'll no. I think I call it. I think that's very sensible and, and and very very true, Jonathan. Oh, I can go so many different ways with this. Um, uh, I thought towards the end of last season we were being slightly sussed by people playing the three at the back, in the way that Arsenal appear to have copied us and um, uh, if that carries on to be the case and he plays the same 11 which he can't possibly do because of the other teams other players coming in um, you, we could uh, and if he gets it right because he can be such an inspiring coach we could win it again um, uh, it depends on the on the ability of the other teams I, don't, I say I don't think Spurs are going to do very well City I'm not convinced that Guardiola can, can even though he's got a massive series of excellent players that he manages very well in the Premier League. Um, he doesn't gel them together, does he? No, he doesn't. Yet. He doesn't. Absolutely right. Um, uh, United might um, might have a chance. Now they're buying a bit of it, just throwing money at, uh, at everybody. But even then, I'm still not convinced that he has the... Uh, he's emotionally together enough, Mourinho, to make it work. Um, so we, I think we could win it again. Um uh, but it, 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 it depends on, uh, I think, maintaining a fit squad. And uh, if they don't get back up, um, I think we'll be in trouble and we could finish fifth. Mm. Uh, but uh, wow. I really don't. I think yeah. it's really open to, to, you know, to so many different things. And I, I don't think we're going to do well in the, I think you said before, I think quarterfinals of the Champions League. But once again, it, it is dependent if they suddenly, you know, if the Sandro deal comes through because some, whatever, for whatever reason. Well, if you, if they, they suddenly manage to get a replacement. Yeah, and, yeah which yeah. might be the case. Then, then you think, well, actually, we've then got an immensely classy um, defence. I just, it, it's so dependent on what other players he gets. And I, I would like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been very critical of the youth set up by saying nobody who comes through appears to be good enough. But watching some of those boys play in the, uh, the Inter Milan side, who'd played for England, all of them, and you think, well, surely there must be one or two. I thought Masunda looked pretty good, you know. I'm not convinced about, um, is it Boga? Because he just, he's a bit, you know, there's a touch of the, uh, um, uh, of the Salah about him and that he sort of kicks the ball ahead and runs after it. The same with... Um, no, Masanda, um, I think it's more the um, the intensity and how... how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he really wants fact, to make the an fact he's kept them. He's going to make these decisions over the next few weeks as well, the next three weeks as to who goes out on loan. He might keep some surprising surprising backup that, that, that then get given a chance. And I have to say, I, I would like that. Because I, I, I would be keen on that. Whereas somebody like Loftus-Cheek, who despite the chances just didn't didn't hack it, didn't seem to make the effort. Some of those boys already uh, in the Inter Milan game made so much more effort. And I thought, well, you know, if, if, if a couple of them look pretty good, he's going to give them an opportunity. I don't think he's got a, an anti-thing about youth. I think he just likes players being at the right level, which is absolutely fair enough. You know? And that give him everything, that put as much into it as he does. I think that's yes, the key. Yes, Anyone, absolutely. And this goes for the board as well. If they don't put in what he does... I think he's he gets the hump, and I think he actually has a right to as well. But so. I still, still think I think mm. what you said earlier about the um, the machinations of actually trying to sign players 
is much more difficult than we think mm. because and the yeah. Lukaku was a perfect example where they yeah. wanted players in lieu and in the end it cost United 90, 90 million, didn't they it? They were willing to pay the cash difference and we just yeah. said we're yeah. not paying above seventy five and you're not. Well, you see, I mean to. I'll be honest I'll be honest with you guys and I've said this time and time again over the summer. I'm not actually convinced. I think the board wanted Lukaku, Emanalo particularly, yeah, but yeah, I but wasn't convinced Maratta. that I don't yeah. think that Conte did. I think he wanted Morata and I was pleased to see him win that battle. Just to kind of finally wrap up because we, we really should toddle off but Chidge, uh, can I quickly I, add re, re, one more thing? No you can't. You oh, you can in a minute me. if I if I right. if I feel so disposed, but <laughs> it's my turn now. <laughs> Power, crazy but I know. Movie. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I demand the best, and if you're not at the right level, I'm going to tell you. Um, this is but, at uh, the right level. It will make I, you I think. I think that Jonathan made some excellent points there. But I, I think you're right. It's really, really hard to call. And and I, I wrote something for some Stoke website this week, and you know, I said that you know, um, I, I could see us coming coming third. Uh, I can see us coming second, but I wouldn't be surprised if if we came first because if you look at Conte's track record um, with Juve, you know, once they got on a roll, they damn well got on a roll. I think I think you know the other the, the mitigation in that is that this is the Premier League, not the not the Serie A, and I think the competition's tighter. I, I totally agree with the point about Guardiola, who I see has managed to buy uh, attacking wing backs in his uh, deluded sense that they can actually defend. So. For as far as I'm concerned, City won't be able to defend, so they'll be just as vulnerable as they were last year. My biggest worry and concern is Man United because they've been spending money like, like you know, a, a virgin in a whorehouse, mate. I tell you, you know, lots of money on lots of decent players, and we know that Mourinho knows how to to create a team to win the league. So they, for yeah. me, are our biggest threat. Um, as for the Champions League, as I said, I mean, you know, the the budget, the club always used to budget for us getting, you know, at least to the quarterfinals, and I suspect that they'll be no different this year. It's all about luck, but the reality is, I think that in in Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, uh, Juve, Paris Saint Germain, and Atletico, you've got teams there that are quite frankly better than us at the moment. So. You know, if we get to the semi-final or even win it, I'll be astonished. Um, but I can, I can see us getting to the quarter-final. So there you go. That's my feeling. Anyway, Alex, your turn now. Firstly, Kevin on the uh, Mixler says he is the CEO of the Musanda Junior bandwagon <laughs> after Roman and Co. Love set it. my Traore one alight. But no, I just my football sister, who I do all away games with, has just uh, sent me a headline that's in one of the paper or in one of the websites that just uh, kind of indicates how much more bullshit we'll have to listen to for the next three weeks. Chelsea prepare ninety million pound Belotti deal after Maratta disappoints. Not 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 Mario Belotti. Andrea Bellotti, Torino's oh, striker. Right. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. Morato apparently has struggled in Chelsea Blue for, for two weeks, or whatever it's been. Oh, what a load of rubbish. Five minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Who wrote that garbage? Who wrote that garbage? David Gates, hang your head in shame. Follow for what paper? Twitter, at David Gate Sports. Go and give him what for. But he's not even a proper journalist. I don't think so. It's on uh, playingfor90.com. So, yeah, be prepared oh, for lots more a... fuckwittery along it's, those lines. It's, it's, it's a fake it's Simon click... Johnson. Did you know that? There's a fake standard yeah, Simon yeah, Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, Jonathan. If you want to follow the real Simon Johnson, who is a, who is a fine gentleman, it has to be said, it's it's at SJ... SJ... Oh, bugger, I can't remember now. Johnson. I think it's, it's S, it, SJ Standard Sport or something like that. 
Yeah. Oh, S. J. Johnson. There's one that's S. I. It's not him. It's a fake one. Hang on, I'm I'm in I'm in Twitter now, and I'll, I'll find him now. It's important you, we get you that sent right. It cause... To us, so if you look on your notification, S. J. Standard Sport. Yeah, S. J. Standard Sport. S. J. Standard Sport. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Check, follow him. He's great, and you know, uh, and there we go. Anyway, look, we should really wrap up and go because we've been waffling on for too long, and it's uh, nearly two hours, which is long enough. Right, uh, that is in fact all we have got time for this week. Don't forget to download the Kerry Dixon Show, which you will see uh, or hear, more to the point, uh, sometime on Thursday afternoon when uh, when I will. Uh, be uh, releasing it to the world. We'll be previewing the match against Burnley, of course, this Saturday. Now, us lot will be back uh, next Monday at 7 o'clock, as always, and uh, I'll be joined by the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, of course, and uh, and Clayton Beerman and the Reverend Tony Glover. So that smart should be a cracker. Buddy. Yeah, your smut buddy, uh, in isolation from you, uh, <laughs> at, least, at least for a few weeks. Now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stamford Chidge, uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Marco at Gate Seventeen, Marco, and the lovely Alexandra Churchill, uh, the girl who likes balls, is at CFC GWLB. I got a bit dyslexic when I wrote that in the script, didn't I, Alex? Got it the wrong way <laughs> around. It is at C at CFC GWLB, and of course, check out the website ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Keep them coming. Um, I will I will endeavour to get Alex's blogs up first on the Chelsea Fancast website, if only to piss off all the other websites that she sends them to. Um, I will also be releasing some very exciting information soon because we're going to have a major, major, major rehaul of our website. And we've got a young lad called Leon or Hion, Hion Carbis. He's Welsh. A lovely young lad. He writes brilliantly well and he's going to be taking over the website uh, and kicking my ass and making sure we put more stuff up there so it actually becomes even more worth a read than it is at the moment so look forward to that right okay i think that's about it isn't it so uh until then keep it blue oh no i haven't said thank you to these chaps how remiss of me marco brilliant having you on the show for the first one of the season great to hear you mate cheers mate see you all on saturday i'll see, see you, you there, at the stall marco. on saturday mate cheers. see you at the stall on saturday alex will i see you in the pub uh, are you going to be in the cock? I will be. Would I be Why? anywhere else? You love a bit of cock, don't you? Yeah. Quite, I love a bit of cock on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I'll see you there, my love. I look forward to it. And uh, Jonathan, I hope I, if I don't see you uh, on the Saturday, I shall look forward to speaking to you again on Monday next week. Fabo, Chich. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Stuff. I've got an American mate I'm taking on Saturday. So. Uh, oh, right. Excellent. Um, he's Excellent. one of those annoying. He's a professor and he knows... Is masses he? of stats about Chelsea, but I'm not quite sure he's ever been before. So, um, <laughs> wow, um, it should wow. be very. He sounds like a bag of laughs, mate. I bring him to the bring, cock. I might and we'll bring him along. I'll bring him along to the cock actually for about ten minutes. That's a deal. We'll do right. that. Okay. Well, that. we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see, see you, you and hopefully hopefully a few other people in there. But I mean, thanks for these three for. Uh, for um, sitting with me this evening it's been great fun it really is great to be back and I, I, I mean I know there's only a few of you left because we go on far too long but there was nearly there was over 400 people in there early so thank you so much for taking part and, and do come back again next week now uh, until then uh, keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chels up the It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. 
You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 